Welcome, Jamal Hussein to bridge the gap. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and this is the show where we take very smart and intelligent people who have done interesting things and lived lives, lives like the life you lived, life you lived, whatever, and uh, we go through your story and we like extract knowledge nuggets from the various experiences that you have had throughout your journey because your journey is yours and uh therefore this is definitely something we can all learn from it and that's what's cool because everybody has one of those uh, today the spotlight is on you as we delve into that um yeah ismail keeps saying uh jamal hussein because it's fucking cool to say it's a cool name i like it <laughs> i like it a lot respect respect um i appreciate that and it's exciting to have you here i mean you're the guy who straight up wrote this like love song and still mention Preach's name in the middle of it. Like, and Preach said, don't do this. And I'm like, yo, isn't he trying to get the girl? What is he doing? And I thought that was one of the most memorable experiences I've had listening to a song where I thought it was great. Um, I seen you, I seen you a whole bunch of times on the back of, uh, of Preach there, holding it down, showing love, and just being like that guy. And you know what? Everybody fucking needs that guy in life sometimes. And the fact that you're even willing to do that for anybody is just one of the most incredible things. And I think right off the jump, you deserve flowers for that because that is not a simple thing. I have been on the receiving end of, a, no offense to preach, a couple of preach phone calls. So I can only imagine. I can only imagine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, preach got that fire, you know? I love it. <laughs> Drives you to greater things. But. As we do get into it, I have my little token first question. I like to, to start it off and shut up audio file for coming through. Um, it's a little bit of a story. When it lands, it all makes sense. I don't know if you heard before, but we're going to do it anyway, just for whoever hasn't. So my girlfriend, she's washing the dishes and she's listening to that Black Eyed Peas song. That I got a feeling. Ooh. And she's like vibing to it and she's dancing around and she's doing her thing. And I basically said to myself yeah it's kind of nifty right here it is you know in this time of life and it's chores music it's this thing that you like you you vibe to you maybe exercise to it whatever you parent to it etc well once upon a time like 10 years back we was up in the club drunk as fuck dancing around in circles to that very same fucking song singing the very same kind of thing and that got me thinking about vibes it got me thinking about how music over time it kind of changes and whatnot like its purpose kind of moves and it shifts depending on the world that you're in which means if you really think about it a whole bunch of kids of the future are growing up to wop as their mom does some chores and whatnot that's just the facts of the situation yeah. as much as nobody wants to admit it because a lot of people are gonna they're gonna throw on that that club music of today as they go do the sweepy sweepies in the dishes and that's just the real realities of you know the world and then I started thinking a little bit about like vibes and music and our stories and how music attaches to our stories. And I realized when we start talking about music often, we go back to this point where like it's adolescence usually and we kind of latch on and attach ourselves to musical identities and whatnot. But really, that's not that's not where it really starts for us. It actually starts like like way before it starts when you're really, really, really young. And you're like five, four, whatever you can remember. And there's sounds going on all around you. It's, it's maybe family, yep. siblings, whoever it may be. But these people create like this soundscape of your existence, which is also part of like your musical journey. So like for me, I can remember being real young. I listened to my dad with these Zeppelin tapes. And it was through all the tapes to the speakers and the multi-layered gray fucking boxes. And my mom, she had these like these 
knockoff disco tapes you could get at the day partner and fucking three dollars and was all the classics performed poorly and then like for some reason krista berg was like in the car it was not in the apartment and there was bad techno music at night all kinds of stuff that created like this this foundation that ultimately led into who i am as an artist today so i think if we're going to talk about your life and whatnot it's mad important to bring you all the way back to being a real young guy if you could tell us what it was like, sound the sounds, the technologies, the vibes, like a five, four-year-old Jamal Hussein in that whole world in existence. Yeah, man. Well, first of all, yo, thank you for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I see you do your thing. You know, the interviews are fire and whatnot. People drop their, their knowledge nuggets, as you call them, you know. So it, it's great that, you know, you're here taking in, you know, this history of uh, the Montreal scene, of the New York scene, whoever you interview, it's great that you're taking in this journey and you know sharing it forward, paving the way for like the next generation. So, like uh, to answer your question, um, you know, I like to say, you know, you said four or five years old, but to me, I think it even starts way back to as early as when you're in the womb. Mm. <laughs> you know, when you're in that womb, um, you know. A child recognizes their mother's voice when they're born. Why? Because, you know, normally their mother is speaking to them, you know. And I made it, like, I'm a young father or whatnot, but, like, I made it a point to try and, you know, speak to my children, like, when they were in the womb so that they could, you know, recognize my voice and whatnot, that sound, right? Um, so growing up for me, like, I know hands down, like, my mom was born in Jamaica, she she came here when she was like 17 um or 16 or, or whatnot but it was always that reggae culture you know it was that roots that reggae um my dad you know shout outs to jabby um he didn't have the sound crew when i was born but there was always music around so he definitely had the turntables and you know it was a lot of bob marley a lot of dennis brown you know, Gregory Isaacs, like some serious roots, <laughs> roots culture. All right. So <clears throat> what I've been able to surmise so far is that there's a lot of reggae going on around and there may or may not be turntables available for people to be spinning in a young man uh, such as yourselves presence. Um, yeah, that's like, you know, when I was born, I know the sound crew, Black Temple sound crew, uh, you know, that started maybe around 93. But there's, they definitely had <laughs> turntables and whatnot, some sound systems that they're playing this music. So when I was born in, you know, July of 90, this is what I'm hearing, you know, a lot of this, this type of music. All right. So basically what you're saying is, how about you expand on the Black Temp, sorry, what's the group name one more time? Yeah, Black Temple, Black Temple Sound. Um, you know, it's a, it was a DJ crew um started in like 93 so when i was around like three years old um my dad decided along with his brother few cousins you know to get out there in the dance hall scene and really like play some music you know so when you see me with preach or if you've seen me with preach before you know we, you'd hear a shout out black temple or you know we run a black temple set um basically you know, showing you some of the stuff that, you know, I grew up listening to and kind of where the music is going now. Preach is always like paving the way forward. 
So Preach will give you that um, more of today's sounds and whatnot, but I like to showcase the music that I grew up on, the roots. Mm. So Black Temple Sound was like a champion sound back in the 90s, you know. Definitely um, a champion sound. Like we, we stood up to heavy, well, they stood up. <laughs> you know, I say we because it's, you know, the family thing. But it's really them who stood up against big sounds like, you know, Kilimanjaro and, you know, when Tony Mataran came to Montreal, like, you know, Preach was able to hang around these big DJs based on, you know, the different vibes that we had, the different sound that we were spinning. Because you know? a, a lot of DJs, they play the same music, right? But as you say, it's, it's a vibe, right? some will spin it in a way that you catch a completely different vibe than you know you, um one of the more local djs or your your favorite dj you know so black temple they were known for bringing you know for blessing the dance as you would say you know my dad always say you have to bless the dance before like you mash it up you know <laughs> when you bring that dance hall that heavy that heavy music that fast pace the vibes as you want to call it you know fair enough so you're gonna have to remember as we're doing through this that some of the stuff in your soul that is like mad inherent to you as commonplace knowledge is not inherent to us it's commonplace knowledge so you drop in all these dj collectives and i'm like yo hold up i don't even think i know much about the fact that there was a dj scene in montreal i mean i know don smooth told me there were some shits i know i know a couple top level things but your golden jenny yeah. from norway comes through and shit you gotta be remembering the whole world don't know it like people here might know it so we gotta expand sometimes so what we're hearing is you're like three and your dad is busting into the montreal scene as part of a collective called black temple yep that's going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the best of the best around here and that is you're like you're not even five you're three and this is basically right so they got the table spinning so your whole life off the fucking jump is already connected to music like that yes sir <laughs> yo that's mad right off the bat that's mad nifty so let's go we gotta talk about this more though right because um basically yeah <laughs> Yeah, expand on that reggae scene and even the lingo. We'll, we'll get to that too, because you gotta remember mash it up and stuff. Like, I do know <laughs> what that means. I went to Wager. I'm not like completely bad at all of this, uh, but like, not everybody's gonna know all of these words. Sometimes we might have to pause, pause a little bit, and break it down. But it's okay. We bridge gaps yes, here. Sir. We extract That's knowledge it. nuggets. Um, <laughs> so for real though, were you like? destined for some shit and i say that because you're not the first person i've talked to that had like parents involved in some shit right off the jump which tends to put people on a more like you're already getting some practicing at like five years old that most of us ain't clock until we old as fuck you know what i'm saying so like are you like at like a young young age interested in being a dj are you learning some little vinyl shits going on is it vinyls they're using oh yeah back in, in the 90s you know, it was it was like all vinyls, you know, 45s, you know. Um, yeah, I was, you know, that little kid reaching up on the table, you know, seeing what's going on, trying a one-two, you know, spinning or whatnot. But um, I was, I would say I was interested in the sound effects. I think the sound effects caught me a lot because <laughs> we had like a little box, you know, um, where we had a lot of the effects, the lasers, the sirens, 
Um, a lot of the stuff that you might hear DJs use, like that shit, you know. Um, yeah, the explosions, whatnot. So back then, it was like a whole separate console. So I remember that was like the first machine I was able to use. Um, my dad would let me, you know, press a few buttons here and there while he was practicing. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of how I gained a bit of interest in it. Um, yeah, just by watching and, you know, I was curious. That's still cool. Were you ever able to do the little button pushing in the club at the live set or was that just practice time? Uh, you know, it was mostly just practice. <laughs> I wasn't that 14-year-old going to the clubs or anything like that. Um, Not know, fair my mom kind of had a a different path for me in a sense, an idea of where she wanted me to go, you know, kind of wanted me to focus on the books. When I got older. Oh, we're not even older um, yet. We still like young, young. Okay, we exactly. still young. <laughs> Are you busting some dance moves and stuff off the jump? I mean, coming from the Jamaican roots, roots, there has to be dancing. That's that's basically the one thing that's been laid down to me is everybody dances. <laughs> yeah, everybody dances for real. Um, definitely when I was younger, I know I wasn't all the shy guy or whatnot. You know, I bust a few moves here and there. <laughs> You know, watch the music videos and whatnot. The Beanie Man. Uh, those of you who don't know who Beanie Man is, uh, you know, that's one of Jamaica's like top, top, top artists. Um, you know, so I think back then, yeah, '94, I was a I was a big Beanie Man fan. You know, my favorite songs was like um, "Girls Them Sugar" and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, nah, for real, I like it a lot. Like in my head, I was going, "Sim, Sima, who got that key?" You know. <laughs> but um, nah, for real, that's dope though. Cause like for me, at like that age, I'm like Sesame Street. You know, like it's I different. It's you. a different yeah. universe. It's not the same yeah. vibe. <laughs> um, yeah. honestly, like the Sesame Street, you know, it may have been on the TV, but the music was in the back, <laughs> like twenty four seven. So sometimes, you know, the music took over i more tune into that as opposed to whatever was on tv mm. so yo were you also into the drawings and the, the visual stuff so is that another thing that you had interest in um yeah you know a little bit but i knew from from jump like my drawing sucks so i didn't really attempt <laughs> to make any kind of art <laughs> But um, in terms of visuals, I was always captivated by visuals, you know, mm. um, the stories you're able to tell visually, like, you know, you can paint, pic you can put pictures to lyrics, right? Through music videos and, so were and you, like, you can understand a story. So were you like down to be a singer already or a rapper? Like when you were like young, young, was that already a passion or were you more like dad's a DJ, I'm gonna be a DJ? Well, see, like, <laughs> um, I'm just getting a memory now. Um, it, it wasn't even, like, the DJ thing. Um, I remember my mom, the first time <laughs> I could remember laying down some vocals was in church, <laughs> you know. So my mom had me and my sister up in church, you know, at the altar, and we were just there singing those repetitive verses over and over and over until somebody felt like stopping the song you know like that's that's what that was my introduction to like a microphone 
in front of an audience as far as i can remember yeah the church grind is real yo a lot of people told me about the church grind like meticulous them a whole bunch of them went through the same church all of them got Mm -hmm. a bunch of music practice and went on to be like people in the scene later on and i'm like yo that's a real grind in this city are you oh hold on we didn't even ask that shit are you are you from here i didn't even ask that as a failure of me go this long shit yes born and raised um, I like to say born uptown, raised DG, you know, spend the most of my life in St. Henry. So I rep the whole 514. That's, that's fair enough. I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. It's just, it has to be established, you know, because we, we can't go through a whole interview and not talk about if you're actually born here or not. Not everybody's yeah, born right. here. It's important. It's like a wiki page. If we wanted to look up the Wikipedia of Jamal Hussein, where is he from? Yes, it's a very important part. Yo, what's up, Louis the Red? welcome to the streams um welcome, welcome the 514 is montreal um i don't know I yes sir. i just saw the 514 montreal i just saw a question anyway i was just i respond to the twitch pretty liberally at this point i'm just kind of used to it like tr- tr- answer <laughs> yeah. it, you know if, if the vibe's right if not we just ignore it a little bit mm-hmm. um but anyway uh so you're you're basically coming up in an environment then as you're getting a little bit older so you've already got music coming around but it's like it's around you is what i'm getting the vibe you're going to church and so therefore you do it your dad's a dj therefore you hear it you're just trying to watch that sesame street you can't even get in that vibe you're distracted you know so at what point does it go from being like yo straight up this is like a thing that's around me to yo I fucks with that song. I want to hear more of that. Do you remember like that like moment in your life and when it happened? Uh, um, it was probably it's probably when I was six or seven. Um, when I got introduced to more like hip hop. Um. At that time, I was able to watch stuff like uh, Much Music, mm. right? Much Music had shows like Rap City, where you might get like an hour of rap videos <laughs> once a week. I remember. Um, yeah. Oh, what, what was his name? Mr. T or something like that. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I think it was like Snoop's album, uh, Doggy Style that like uh got my got my attention to hip-hop right i know that was like 93 but i more saw the videos later on um yeah it's probably a little better for like to to get them later on that was that was a wild snoop dog period (laughs) (laughs) that's it right but um no i was just uh fascinated by just the west the sound of the west even today, like I still like that G funk sound, you know, mm. has like a a nice vibe to it. So for me, um, yeah, there wasn't one particular song that made me say like, "Yo, I want to hear more of this," because I was getting a lot of, I was getting a lot of the reggae, the roots, the dancehall, and um, even even the disco. My dad had uh, like somebody on the crew played a lot of disco my barber actually it was his best friend a guy by the name of scotty <laughs> yeah so my dad would take me to scotty's house um to get my hair cut and whatnot and scotty would play more disco 
um and and i would appreciate you know the disco sound and whatnot so then when i heard the when i heard the g-funk you know everything kind of just blended all together for me mm. sorry so when did you like take it to that like level and be like nah this is like something i want to be a part of also as you're growing up with this black temple thing how much is this like impacting your life are you like involved in the scene because i know you're like really young at this point so there's a good chance you say your mom's trying to keep you over here going down a different route so uh, how like much are you seeing of what's happening in the in this part of montreal's hip-hop scene given that to some degree at least you're connected to it um so like you know again even before high school i was i was seeing um my uncle my uncle kind of took over when my dad uh, made the restaurant his focus. Um, he ended up opening quite a few different restaurants. Back in 1990, he had one uh, called Eminem. So that was around the same time he was running Black Temple. So he had the restaurant, he had the music. A um, few years later, like 99, he opened up another restaurant called Jamaica Way on Queen Mary. So again, it was, you know, he's, his focus was more on the music again. So my uncle kind of took over um, the sound. My uncle and uh, my cousin, also Preach, was there. Um, so I would spend a lot of my, my time at my, my grandmother's house, and my uncle lived there. Um, well, it's actually his grandmother, so my great-grandparents. So I spent, like, the majority of my, my weekends there. And I just remember like every weekend, I would just wait for my uncle to kind of like open his room door. Like as soon as the sun, <laughs> as soon as the sun rise, like I'd be that little kid just waiting, you know, waiting for him to like wake up. You know, I hear him run to the bathroom kind of thing. And it's like, did he leave his door open? No, okay, that means he's going back to sleep, you know? His door's open, all right, I can enter, you know? And then when I do get inside, I'm able to, you know, see the turntables watch him you know make mixes on the computer and that really sparked my interest you know much more but still like I, I wasn't allowed to touch it in a sense you know I wasn't allowed to touch it but what happened when I turned 10 um my mom decided like you know I wasn't gonna waste my time after school <laughs> just sitting down uh waiting for her to like finish work because she worked in the building, in the same building as a school. So Ooh. I'd be able to go chill. Yeah. I would, Yo, my mom yeah, was a lunch yes mom, no. right? Mm -hmm. So it'd be shit where, like, I'd say, like, she tells me these stories. So I don't know how true they are. <laughs> and then hold him, we go, fuck. And then he'd turn around, and there I was. And it would just, and then that would happen. I would get in trouble for my own fucking mother in school because she'd hear me swearing and all that shit you're supposed <laughs> to be doing in the in the schoolyard when your mom's not like. Anyways, yeah, having your mom at school yeah, has some it, consequences that are just a little different. It, it does, it does. But you know, my mom, my mom was young. She had me at uh, 19, right? Mm. So when my friends would see her, they would all be like, that's your mom, <laughs> you know? And everybody thought she was like an older sister or whatnot. So it was kind of a thing where it was like, okay, you know, I didn't, I didn't want, 
my friends to you know take on that whole milf <laughs> thing from young where it's just like yo your mom is hot like <laughs> you know so kind of keep her in the corner when i keep her downstairs and you know i do my thing but um she ended up signing me up for a steel band Ooh. Uh, i don't know yeah i want so, to a question i still that okay but yeah, you're right we you should describe it still for the people who don't know i have to remember other people yes so those who don't know what the steel pan is right it's um it was an instrument invented in trinidad and tobago um they basically took an oil drum and you know made various cuts out of it to create the different pans um yeah you know they go through the whole process to uh get the different sounds soprano alto tenor and bass um, so my mom signed me up back in like 2000, 2001, um, that school year, <laughs> I remember. It, it was it was funny because all my friends were playing steel pan, but uh, they were in the advanced class. So when my mom told me that she signed me up, I was actually upset, <laughs> you know, and I was like, no, I actually cried. I was just like, no, like, why did you do that? I don't want to play. Like, all my friends are, you know, in, in senior class and I'm going to start out in junior, you know. I kind of had that affair when I was young, you know, a fear I kind of struggled with throughout my life, but that fear was present, you know. But um, it was crazy. Like, I, I went to one junior class and like i felt like overwhelmed you know i was like oh my god like i don't really want to be here i don't know nobody here i didn't sign up for this my mom's forcing me to do something i don't want to do and then you know the very next day i remember waiting you know for my mom to finish work and my friends like just ran downstairs to uh the daycare where she worked and they're like yo jamal come 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 with us i'm just like yo like what's up like go where they're like steel band i'm like steel band for what they're like yo there's too many juniors in the class so you know salah shout out to salah wilson um he he needed to move up a few players so since all my friends were in seniors they automatically picked me you know they're just like yo choose jamal choose jamal so you know, I, that in that moment, like, I was all excited. I was all happy now, you know. It's like, all right, yeah, I get to go be with my friends, you know, join the steel band. Cool. Maybe it won't be so bad, you know. I see them having fun. Like, you know, I could enjoy it. So I ended up going to that class, and I remember I walked in, you know, all excited and whatnot. And the very first thing uh, Salah asked us to do was put the notes on the scale, and I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> so I was kind of like on a roller coaster ride, you know? I was disappointed, didn't want to do it, excited because my friends were doing it. And then I became like discouraged again because I had no idea what he was talking about. And it felt like an exam, you know? So I felt like the pressure was on. Like, if I don't get this right, I might end up back in junior class because I got a whole bunch of shit I got to learn, <laughs> you know? So, you know, I ended up placing whatever notes wherever I thought it belonged, but I think I got one note right out of like 16. <laughs> but, uh, you know, from there, that's kind of where my journey, you know, took a different direction. <laughs> so what was that? What was the direction it took at that point? So, um, 
I found myself um, enjoying like Steel Band. The very first song that I learned to play was Ave Maria, you know, a classical piece. Mm. So, yeah, and I even remember the first note, like, you know, rolling on that A. <laughs> I played um, the alto, so it was like the middle section. Um, it was two, it's two steel pans, right? It's two, two steel pans that you play at the same time. You know, there's a couple notes on each side. Um, but yeah, we just started out by learning classical pieces. And I just found that interesting, you know, it's like, because steel pan is associated with, you know, like parang, soca, you know, uh, calypso music, right? That upbeat Caribbean music. But to hear myself play, you know, Ave Maria, a classical piece and a much slower tempo, you know, um, I just found that very intriguing and it, 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 it captivated me more than, you know, playing anything else that would have been on the radio kind of thing, you know, because a lot of, a lot of the times when you're in school bands or school choirs, right, you might have to sing certain songs that are, you know, just popular. They don't really spark your interest, right? <laughs> so I found it interesting that we were playing this classical classical piece and we ended up doing like a whole concert of just classical music you know? mm. every year we did one yeah i just remember just on that subject i had to learn to play a simplified version of my heart will go on by celine dion on the recorder <laughs> in grade six wow and i can remember that motherfucker just D, 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 F sharp, D. Anyway, <laughs> just like fucking, <laughs> right? <laughs> you just remember that. I'm like, why? Because the Titanic movie was lit that year. Yeah, and then it then, was lit. <laughs> and that's uh, that's what <laughs> happened. So I just have that memory. I remember, uh, right. but I went, I remember a lot of steel band performances, actually. You, it, maybe not everyone else had that experience, but when you go to my high school, uh at least three times a year maybe not at the end but in the beginning parts multiple things is multicultural day steel drums whatever they yep. steel drums so you just have these events where like we're all in the auditorium and it would be these elaborate steel drum shows and they're fucking awesome and <laughs> i just i really i got to really enjoy it like i can't yeah. necessarily bump the shit like so like put it on on my headphones <laughs> but you go into a room where this shit's being played out for it's high energy. You just you just feel yeah, the vibe and it's wonderful. So that's that's it's, fresh. It's a that, serious like, vibe, man. That that's like your inception point into like creating in a sense. Were you like so are yeah. you like also like freestyling with it, you know, just jamming around with your peeps, having a whole bunch of fun? Um at that age, uh you know, it it kinda started. Yeah, we um I had a few friends, right, from another school that we linked up with uh saint monica uh so i I went to coronation elementary and every year we teamed up with uh saint monica to to form a band for the competition that uh i believe it started in 2000 um so yeah we kind of was uh introduced to the festival um the montreal international steel pan festival um so we, you know, we had a band that we would play in the junior competition and whatnot. And uh, yeah, like I remember my friends uh, from that school, they would come over to Coronation for practice. And, you know, out of nowhere on, on, on the breaks, you know, these guys are just like, yo, 
And then what you know, somebody knows how to play the drums, so they go. You know, it was just vibes, right? Just playing Mission Impossible, all kind of music, like it was fun. You know? That's dope, though. I know where those yeah. schools are. That that's fun. I went to EBS, yeah. so like we in the same hood, literally. Yeah. Like I don't know. Yeah, man. Yo, did you just yo? Did you ever do the Strathern Park fucking uh, Canada days and shit like that? Um, I did them later on, not uh, not with the school or anything, but uh, with when I joined Sala Steel Pan band uh, like later on uh, yeah we ended up playing at like a few canada day parades like uh in like the west island and things like that mm. yeah, yeah yeah that's fresh man so you're basically going through high school and you're doing steel pan and you're doing all that are you also at this point developing any kind of interest in vocal work you want to be a rapper at this point is that also going on in your life well, that's that's still elementary. I started in Hold elementary. Up, Steel Pan is elementary. My bad. Yeah. Wow, you're grade, like grade five. You know, <laughs> you said these schools. I know what these schools are, and I still like went with that. My bad. All good. All good. Um, yeah, that started in grade five. Um, and I I remember, just any any chance we got for creative writing. So when it came to like Black History Month, I remember grade six. I kind of started with like some, I started dabbling more into poetry. I'm pretty sure I was writing a bit, uh, some poetry before that, you know, maybe just a little here and there, or just, just trying to rhyme, you know, because yeah, I was a big like Snoop fan growing up and whatnot. And by the time I hit grade six, uh, you had all the Lils, right? The Lil Bow Wow, the Lil Wayne's, the Lil Zane. <laughs> so I was, I was kind of, a fan of those uh, guys all because they were like young, you know, like Lil Bow Wow was probably like a year or two older than me. So I was just like, hmm, you know, like I can, I can rap. We actually were writing raps. Like we, we in grade five, um, we didn't really like the grade sixes. So I think we took like a DMX song and, you know, like we kind of remixed it, like stop you know drop one of one of them tracks you know we, we remixed that so definitely i was rhyming back then um doing stuff like yo my name is jbs i put you straight to the test and if you say yes i'll show you who's the best you know like stuff like that you know <laughs> i remember like all of those you? from elementary nobody <laughs> remembers the elementary bars or they <laughs> pretend like they don't awesome Jamal, that's, that's yeah. amazing <laughs> we, we did just get a question from the comments though what yeah. other than snoop which g-funk artists were you into at that time other than snoop um man like at the time i i didn't know who was the producers of like the sounds or whatnot or where the samples came from right um like the george clinton and all of that i didn't know but just that whole that whole west coast so you know started death row whatnot dr dre snoop ice cube like all of them um i was listening to i remember having a vhs right a vhs a cassette tape of just some music videos 
um, that I would watch uh, the late 90s, like early 2000. Um, it definitely featured uh, Still DRE was on there. I remember that. <laughs> and I think at the time that probably was my favorite song. <laughs> yeah. That's a good so that was still on there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You oh, know, obviously, Pac. Um, yeah, you know, there was the the East Coast influences also, but um, yeah, you know, the G Funk. I just I just like Snoop style. You know, I like this style. No, I respect that. Personally, yeah. I was bumping Lincoln Park. It is what it is. We just you just attach yeah, onto some yeah. shits, and you you find it, and uh, nah, that that's totally cool. So you yeah. you were in grade five writing diss songs against the grade six kids, which is which is very cool. I'm gonna put that out there. It's a cool thing to do. <laughs> and then um, you're playing Steel Pan, so already you're quite mm -hmm. the impressive ten year old. I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> respect, respect. Um, so what happens uh, after? Uh, I guess uh, you used to you, you kind of coast on this. You writing some rhymes through elementary school. I don't know if there's much else significant happening in a ten year old world. Are you uh, actually? Are you getting more integrated at this point into the Montreal scene at all? Or are you still kind of too young in a different path? Um, I was still kind of, you know, too young, not, re not really paying attention or not asking questions about the Montreal scene. Um, and even, to be honest, I probably didn't realize there was a scene back then, you know? All I knew was, like, the DJ culture, mm. you know? Um, it wasn't until high school that that's when I really saw, you know, like, rappers and I saw ciphers in the, in the cafeteria and whatnot. Where did you go to high but, school? Um, Sorry? Where did you go to high school? Uh, Marymount. I went to Marymount High. Mm. Marymount Academy, I should say. <laughs> you know, well, I was in the, again, I was in like the IB program, you know, the international program, right? That's basically One of only the two super black smart kids. kid program with the special privileges. That's what they call it, right? But I wasn't super smart, you know what I mean? I just had great teachers that, you know, yeah, fought for me, believed in me, and... How many things you're doing yeah. in your life right now? Like six? You're like six, seven things in your life? That's not a... It's not, that's a super <laughs> smart person thing. So maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe... Maybe just maybe they were right way back then. Yeah. As a brother, by that time, I had about four sisters. Uh, you know, hoping for a brother, but, you know, <laughs> my dad keep bringing out the, the, the princesses, you know um but yeah like you know grade six going into going into uh high school um i think um my dad kind of took uh rasta like the rastafarian faith more seriously and i kind of got more interested in that because uh i think i was like 10 years old um as i said like my mom had me in the church or whatnot but like I always questioned things or, you know, didn't really understand. But around 10 years old, I felt like I had, like, my biggest scar, you know. Um, I'm here listening to the pastor, you know, preach about Jesus died for my sins and whatnot. But out of nowhere, I don't know if a 10-year-old was supposed to know this information, but I ended up hearing, you know, like, one of the biggest scandals at the time, <laughs> right, pastor had an affair with like somebody in the congregation and for me that was like oh my god like <laughs> this man is preaching to me about 
you know, saving me and things. And I thought he was saved, but like, you know, he just committed this big sin or whatever the case was. Mm. So that was kind of like shocking for me. And I was just like, well, you know, maybe what he's what he's saying, you know, isn't all there. So I kind of would research about like Selassie and I would I would be the one to like kind of bring information to my dad, you know. Um, and uh, I remember, I think I was 12. So like in high school, um, this is when I, I kind of picked up the songwriting, but it was, I started out writing like reggae songs. I remember writing like reggae verses, um, yeah. just come up with like a melody in my head and whatnot. And I, I would, I would, that's what I would write. Yeah. Like a real good one. Ismail asked, and I know there's a lot of people who really, really, really want to know, but never get to ask. Can you expand on what Rastafarianism like actually is? Yeah, I could do that. I could do that. So um, for those of you who don't know, um, Marcus Garvey, you know, made, uh, some would say like a, what do you call it? like a premonition or something something along those lines right the word isn't in my head right now but he made he 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 basically told black people for those of you who don't know who marcus garvey is right um he is a pan-africanist um, a pan-africanist right he basically was trying to get um blacks of the west you know he was born in jamaica and he did end up coming to the US, but he basically wanted um, our people to kind of repartiate back to Africa, right? So he made like a, a, a proclamation or he had a premonition and he said, look to the East for the crowning of a black king, you know? So in Jamaica, when they heard that, they looked to the East and then in 1930, uh, Haile Selassie was crowned king of kings, lord of lords, conquering lion of the tribe of judah right right and judah right is is one of the greatest tribes right um they said that christ was born in, from judah or christ is a judite so um they seen haile selassie as that king that marcus garvey promised so um basically um a lot uh of people rastas viewed him as the coming of god you know mm. god in the person god in the flesh uh, or even christ christ returned two thousand years you know the prophecy has been fulfilled a lot of people viewed Haile selassie as that christ as that savior um if you check out a lot of his speeches you know his speeches all about you know equality um bob marley used some of his speeches in his lyrics uh in some of his songs you know one of the most popular ones being war right um until that day right um so yeah so basically um a lot of people view it as a religion but they'll tell you it's not really a religion it's it's a way of life it's it's a liberty they'll call it a liberty a way of life you know it's just a natural way of living right um 
you you don't you don't hate no one you know you view all as equal black white yellow red we're all equal you know um mother earth creates and provides everything that its creation needs so humans animals and whatnot mother earth provides everything that you need to survive so um there's no need for you know certain killing we don't need to they view like we don't need to kill animals for food when there's plant life, there's vegetables and whatnot, you know? Um, we don't need to destroy the earth in terms of, uh, you know, doing too much mining or all this construction, different things like that, right? Anything that, that's harmful for the earth, you know, there's, there's a limit to it or we don't, we don't need it in a sense. Man is, is, is to live simple, right? You know, we don't we don't need much to survive, basically. You know, it's kind of like the Rasta idea. And with that, you have different different groups or different mansions, right? With every ideology, there's different mansions, different branches, you know, that interpret the message in different ways. Um, so, yeah. yeah, but that's basically Rasta. Yeah. So basically, Willie has a question. Uh, are, mm-hmm. She has Rastas or Christians, and it's just in reference to maybe... Because I, I took it like you transitioned, like Christians was kind of not it. And then you saw Rastafari and you were like, that looks more interesting. That's what I understood. Yeah. Like, is it, are they more linked than that? Is there like, like a See, bigger they connection? See, um, enough Rastas read the Bible, right? Um, a lot of it is based on Bible. Because as I said, they view Selassie right. as the coming of Christ, right? So... Prior to Selassie, right, all they had was, all people had was the Bible, or all Jamaicans had was the Bible. They, we didn't have our spirituality from Africa, you know, prior to becoming slaves and all of that. So the, the religion that they had was some form of Christianity. Um, so Rastas viewed Selassie as the true Christ, right? So they interpret the bible in a different way they interpret the truth as they would say right um so they wouldn't call themselves christians i wouldn't call them christians either mm. right i appreciate that distinction like i said yeah. it's it's like i'm sure everyone can go google some of this stuff but sometimes it's just better yeah. to have jamal break it down that's why it's <laughs> wonderful man Yo, thank yeah. you. Like that's what Willie says. I agree. That's yeah, the kind of yeah, blessed yeah. part of this is where we get to get knowledge nuggets. That's it. All right. So prior to that, you were describing going into high school, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So yeah, going into high school, um, you know, I started. The songwriting was, you know, a lot of reggae. Um, I was still playing steel band, so it's. I kind of brought the steel band into Marymount. There was none there before. Okay. But uh, yeah, like our group, you know, we were we were fire. <laughs> you know, we were fire. We kind of brought the band to. We did one show at Marymount. Um, it was either the year I started or prior to. I believe it was the year I started at Marymount, uh, 2002. We did one show. So this is the um, the EMSB band. So Coronation and uh, Saint Monica. We did one show at Marymount, and then it was like the crowd went crazy, whatnot, as usual. Um, but 
<laughs> I think the week later, the vice principal made an announcement and he kind of messed up. He, he, originally, he wanted to say, those of you who are in the steel band, who are in steel band, right? Who play steel band or whatever, uh, report to the office. He accidentally said, those of you who want to play steel pan, please come to the office. You know, by the time I went downstairs, bro, the whole lobby was flooded, <laughs> right? Like it was, it was nuts. Like half, half the assembly <laughs> was in the lobby, you know, wanting to play steel pan, you know? So the interest was like so high that, yeah, we basically brought a band to Marymount, but, um, yeah, there was obviously not enough hands for 200 people to join up one time, right? Yeah. Jamal joined up is what I'm, I'm taking from that, from that little strut. Like, well, what are you saying? Of course I was there. For sure, for sure. You know, by then I, I, I moved on to the bass. You know, I started out on alto. I tried out soprano. So I played the midsection. I played lead. And then, you know, I gravitated to, to the bass because... Uh, it looked it looked more complicated. Um, I, the bass is six oil drums, like it's six drums that you play at the same time, basically. You know, and there's like three notes on each drum, so there's a lot more movement, and I enjoyed that. Um, you know, later on we could post some links to some steel pan videos that you guys could check out. I I was used to playing uh, songs for like eight minutes, man. Like those are the competitions that I. <laughs> I, I grew up playing like once I joined Salas Steel Pan Academy and it was like high school time. Um, we were playing like eight minute songs at 120 BPM, Second. you know. Um, it's just beer vibes, man. So I really, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Chris cut all that out, unfortunately, because yeah. of copyright. Shit. <laughs> um, but, Ain't know. no copyright on that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a principle thing, though. Cause it, it's, I feel you. it's like <laughs> that stuff you were here you had the moment with us shout out to all the people <laughs> by with us that was the moment that's it and then chris keep the part in when we talk about the moment shout out chris he's editing his shit making it look all pretty and cutting out bad parts or whatever <laughs> so all right so you're doing that which is pretty incredible now we have more context to how lit jamal is at a young age feeling music in his soul bopping around being incredible dissing older kids with his raps already coming in heavy so you get to marymount you got that that stuff going on um out of curiosity are you an athlete because i know about the basketballs and stuff because y'all went to the wagers so like we's in that other parts nah i was i'm an asthmatic got that under control now or whatnot mm. um but yeah like See, remember, like, earlier I talked about, like, the fear, you know? Um, I always had, like, a little bit of fear, that little shyness in me. So I never really... There's things that I may be good at, but I never really pushed and pursued, right? Mm. Basketball, I never felt like I was the greatest or anything like that. But, you know, I would... I was good when I was younger. Um, I remember that. I was good when I was younger. I remember in 97, when my dad took me to Jamaica, Jamaica Day, um, we used to celebrate Jamaica Day back then. Um, I know Don Smooth and them, they'll know where, where it was, like Van Horn Park, where it was like lit. Um, 
that's when it was lit. But I remember that's when I won like my first and maybe only trophy. I was seven <laughs> and it was a, it was a race, you know, it was like a hundred meter <laughs> sprint kind of thing, you know? <laughs> Yo, it's and, big uh, wins though. I'll carry yeah. I ain't getting no trophy yeah. on athletics ever. <laughs> that's well, that's the whole thing. I mean, they wanted to give me a medal, right? They just wanted to give me a medal. And my dad's like, what? What is no, sir? <laughs> you know? And he went back to them and he's like, nah, I want that. You know? And it's like, he took the trophy, you know? He's like, he wants that. So I remember my dad got me the trophy and... And yeah, you know, it, it was an achievement. It was great. Nice accomplishment. You know, I played basketball definitely when I was younger. Um, elementary, I was on like the basketball team and whatnot. As it got more serious going into high school, though, um, like so like the late grade five, grade six, uh, there was always people that there was always um, my friends that took it more serious than me. They were actually playing uh, like for the rec playing on recreational teams in the city and whatnot. Um, so they definitely like made the teams and I was there like, you know, sub or whatever the case was. Um, but uh, I relate to that. yeah, in high school, I, I didn't really, I didn't really pick that up. Only at like recess and lunchtime, like we're playing touch football. Like, yeah, that was, that was my, <laughs> that was my thing, man. All right. So, are you at any point in high school getting more into the to like I want to be a rapper? I mean, you're already performing, you're already doing all this other stuff, so I mean, we know that's going on because that's like crazy. But also, like, I mean, were the other guys weren't in? Were they all in steel pan groups? Also, nah, I'm pretty sure they were. Were they? Because I don't know. Maybe they were. Maybe not. Still, my point is, you were doing some busy shit. You were doing some incredible things yeah. at that time. You was not being lazy. Respect. Appreciate that. Like I, I was always in steel band from my joined in uh, 2000, 2001, like that was something I was consistently in. So when I reached high school, you know, a few years later, uh, we brought the band to, we brought, we created a band in Marymount, but like there wouldn't have been none had not like half the band from the EMSB coronation and St. Monica, we all ended up at Marymount. Right. So, you know, we kind of we kind of established like a, an, another business opportunity and a learning opportunity for those who who wanted to pick it up. Right. But we basically created another band. So it was another space for, um, you know, teenagers to learn, learn music because it wasn't a, just about like, oh, playing playing whatever song was popular or whatnot. Like we actually had to learn songs, like learn music. Mm, I like um, that distinction. Yeah, we had, to, we learned music, <laughs> you know, we, there was the classical, we had to play classical music every year. Right. So we're starting out with a classical piece right off the bat from you join from, it starts in like October up until December, you have the December concert, uh, classics and carols, uh, classics to Calypso as they called it. So we're playing classical music up until December. Things like Phantom of the Opera, like that was probably like one of the last songs I played. Um, what else? Ave Maria was the first one. Like we played Nutcracker, like all of that stuff. Canon, everything, you know, everything. And then, so the second half of the year now is more geared towards the panorama vibes. Um, 
as you you just played a clip from 2010 right the 2010 competition um so that was the goal you know we were practicing to get towards that and if you were good enough uh if you were in marymount coronation or saint monica and you were good enough there the family like sala the sala family sala wilson right the wilson family they would ask you if you would want to join their band right because their band was the one that was competing in those competitions from the 90s they went as a five piece you know they they mashed it up as i said before you know they shut down the place they won the competition like they destroyed all the other bands that were there as a five piece and then from that point on you know they started creating rules oh no we need a minimum of 12 players now or whatever it is you know um yeah it's it's just funny how how they operate though because uh elaborate. i remember the first competition elaborate the first competition i went to where we're in montreal right so i remember the first competition we went 2007 um that was the one that we won the first year we started winning back to back was 2007 uh, we played a song. Um, we played I Want You Back by Jackson 5. That was our tune of choice. We played I Want You Back. And then we played um, another song. Um, I can't remember what the Panorama song was. But basically, we went down there. You know, we shut it down. Uh, we won the competition. It was a group of mostly students. As I said, if you were good enough in the elementary schools, then you were like you, if you showed potential in the elementary schools and you were willing to do the work <laughs> because the family band was like no joke. Like it was no Mickey Mouse practice. Like whatever we did in school, we, we got away with like the joking around and whatnot, you know? Um, but when once we reached the academy that was like some military military training you know every section had a section leader and we would run drills in each section you know starting from the slow tempo all the way up to the 120 the 125s right um to get ready for the competition so if you showed potential man that that 2007 band was mostly students i think we were like a 30 piece and at least 20 you know 15 to 20 of uh of our members were all students right when i'm talking about elementary <laughs> elementary maybe juniors in high school right but uh it just shows like you know the potential and the the dedication that they had man yeah. so shout outs to those members <laughs> No, but it's it's really cool to showcase that. I know you work with kids now, and I know you're involved with the youth, so I can see how you end up at the part where you showcased how musical involvement in your younger days had an impact. Yeah, yeah. So I like what you did there. It's interesting how people are like that. But um, yeah. I think it's really important. And shout out Sally and them and the Wilson family for like providing that opportunity, right? Because you could have just kind of found like whoever, whoever, look for the best best whatnot but now nah, instead you turned it into a place that taught a lot of people a lot of discipline and also showed that 
you're willing to put in the work, there's reward for that. Even just the experience of being able to go to Toronto is big. Like the first time I went to Toronto, I was like 27 or some shit. I think I was old. Mm -hmm. That's huge, yeah. man. Like it's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. I went. Uh, like my friends, they started going before me, right there. They were in the senior group from elementary. They joined Salah's band from they were like 12. But uh, I remember going maybe 2004, 2004, 2005. And then I took a break in 06. Um, yeah, I took a break in 06. And I think I kind of remembering why. But anyways, when I went back in 07, like, you know, I was just on fire. <laughs> um, but yeah, in in 04, 05, like, you know, we were we were always losing, you know, we were getting robbed kind of thing because um, there was a there was a love hate. It was a love hate uh, situation, man. Salah loved the music so much that, you know, every year he wanted to participate in, in the Pana Live. Right. That that's the night before Carabana in Toronto. And then in the Carabana parade it's itself, like he wants, he wanted to participate, showcase his music and whatnot. Because he arranges music different than 99% of the other arrangers, right? Like I'll say 99% because there's, there's a talk, like when you're in the, in the pan yard or when you're in our pan yard and you're listening to other bands or you're listening to other music, there's a point where you'll hear something that we call cliche, right? They're just running, instead of playing scales, right? Salo would teach us scales, right? The whole, the whole scale. We'll play a whole scale in a song or, you know, add crescendos and whatnot. Certain bands, they, they know the key the song is in, but their way of running a scale is just running, going between like three notes. So you hear a lot of... Like, you know, so we call that, that's cliche, you know, where when you listen to our pieces, you'll hear a full scale and other things, right? Um, you'll hear harmonies and melodies. You'll hear music, basically. So up until 2007, um, you know, the organization down there, I won't name them, but basically there was a lot of <laughs> judges being asked to judge on a, on a friend, on a friend, on a friend to friend basis. Right. Like, mm. it's like, I know who you are. Okay. You like hip hop. I'm doing something, bro. Like, yo, come judge this competition for me. I'm going to pay you this, whatever the case is. You don't have to have any actual music knowledge. I just know you like music right i know you like hip-hop or i know you're an artist so i'm just gonna pick you i'm gonna pick willie i'm gonna pick a bunch of guys well you guys you know you guys actually listen so not the best examples but basically just calling on you know any and anybody to the do the thing right they're known right <laughs> so it was a lot of that but in 2007 they actually hired some judges with a musical background so they started listening to our pieces. So, you know, when you heard the Want You Back, yeah, you know it's a Jackson 5 song, but you hear our arrangement and whatnot. You hear the scale at the beginning. Din -din 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 
like we play the the full scale into the intro of the song, right? Where somebody else, the other bands might play a so you hear the different anyways so the, yo, these judges now it's like mm-hmm. yo, you, you say it like like it's not really significant i listen for that shit when i pick beats exactly yo, i do too so like i was listening to this beat from like vince price and i realized he took this like take on hand clapping and he almost like shifted it a bit so like it's not a natural sound it but it sounds a little more wiggly but it's basically still giving you the effect and i'm like yo nobody did that that's right. dope it's kind of <laughs> like that shit you know so yeah. i really appreciate it because yo, i watch these ads man on youtube where it's like bro we're gonna test this plugin right now and we're gonna see if in two clicks it gives you the pristine sound click click bro that's crispy bro and you're like right nah it can't be that that means nah. everybody's doing that that's not crispy bro <laughs> you know exactly like nah Where, where's the creativity where's the everyone sounds the same you know so there's a lot of that you know a lot of the bands out there sound the same and for the longest while the only reason we got hurt in points was because of the size of our band. They go out there with their 50, 70 piece bands, right? We're coming down from Montreal with a 20 piece, you know, like 2007, we, we actually had like a 30 piece or, or whatever it was, you know, but every section was just playing so strong that there was no way you can deny us. You couldn't deny the music that you heard but the people in the audience you know oh they're from montreal quebec what is that the french the french province oh they're playing french that's what they said when we won they're playing french music you know but then the next year we came and bam you know we slapped them again you know we won by like 18 points and we put like the the top three bands down there in a three-way tie for second place like you know but once again, the music spoke for itself, man. <laughs> Yo, but that's nifty. The the level and degree of excellence, right? Um, I don't know, man. It's like, it's like you put some time into learning the actual foundational elements of music. Like you drop some big terms like crescendos and and then whatever. Like you knew what they meant <laughs> in your mind. It's yeah. like you're picturing the effect, and there's gotta be people out there that are like mm, music talk, and I respect that. I understood crescendo. But the other one, I can't remember it because I don't understand it as well. And that's just how it is. Um, yeah, but like yeah. you, you, you got that layer down, but you also put that time and effort in. And so you're clocking it down. But also how to arrange music and compositionally t- take something that already even exists and do something special with it. In a sense, you're already learning about remixes and a lot of other things that are just truly fascinating skill sets to acquire especially in this era at that point in time so that's super blessed man yeah man because um yeah so i'm i'm only talking about the steel pan right now but like that's that was for me i would say that that that's the biggest influence that's the biggest help uh, with my music you know um back in i would say you know so 2005 like i remember being in leadership 
right so i'll go back to djing and stuff like that for for a minute right go for it um back in high school you know once again my mom would always want to make sure like my head is on straight and diversify the things that i'm doing so she would sign me up for leadership you know shout out to uh rosita roach we call her kathy kathy roach rowan higgins um like these are women powerful black leaders in our community that really had like an influence on on my life my upbringing so i would be in their leadership program and um you know apart from all the the great knowledge they instilled in us we would have like movie nights and, and other things like that they would allow us uh <laughs> to to play to dj and things like that by then virtual dj was out you know so that's really where i was you know djing and stuff um i had my computer and yeah i loaded it up with like a lot of reggae and whatnot i was i was djing like before these consoles came out or whatever i was using my keyboard you know as i said my uncle never allowed me to to use the turntables and whatnot so i had to find a, a other way to learn right so you so, used the keyboard dj Hold on, let's talk Bro, about I, that. I want to know. <laughs> tell me about being the keyboard DJ. Let's let's break that down. How does that work? Bro, I'm talking about the 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 keyboard that you use for your computer. I'll right? picture it. I got one right over here. Everyone. If you go on Virtual DJ, there you go. <laughs> Everything you could do on a console is is mapped out on on the keys, right? Okay. So you have your play, your stop. You have your abilities to set cues. So I learned how to set cues on my keyboard before I, I touched a console. All right, so what is right? setting a, a controller? Let's, let's break it down for the people. So, all right, so, um, you know, back in the vinyl days, you wouldn't really <laughs> be able to set cues, right? You have to listen to the track for a bit. Okay, this is where I want to start. So you basically would hold, hold up, I'm gonna get it pull up a console oh, i love it we get props so, you know, so track would be spinning whatever cases all right you're listening in your headphones the beat is about to start here all right i think i want to catch it here and come in on the other side another track is playing right you basically know how djs mix right so i don't have to explain no, it that part that would but, be good. and if you don't know so, that you can easily google so <laughs> yeah so with the vinyl right you have to manually cue this is me manually cueing where I want the thing to start. So I hear the chorus is coming back on the other song. Boom, I let go. All right, now I got to kind of like match my BPM. I'll speed it up a bit if I have to, or I'll slow it down a bit. You know? All right, beats match. Hold up. Then I, I didn't my... realize that like that is like, 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 uh... yeah, did you froze. You still with us? I'm, I'm here. All right. My camera probably just froze for a second. That's all right. I guess I didn't realize that on the fly you're changing the BPMs of the song to make them match. That is not something I really thought about. I thought like maybe because I'm just not a good DJ and I'm more of like whatever that you would like pit songs at the similar BPMs. But I guess you're actually altering that in real time to make it all flow right. That's nifty as fuck. I never thought about it before for real. Yeah, like, uh, hold on. Let me get this camera good. No worries. I'm just yes, like... I'm just fascinated by it processing. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I feel like in a year or five, I'll know a whole lot about a lot of things like this in a very technical way. But 
I love the fact that it froze with you holding this shit, right? So we still got this <laughs> visual prop here that is dope. Because nobody, up, nobody like pulls the fucking thing up and goes, so y'all check it. This is what it's like. And then we speed it up like this and we slow it down like that. Like that's actually really cool. And there's people out there that really appreciate that kind of stuff because, yo, again, it's like people have a lot of trouble understanding how basic we all really need to go when we become kind of good at stuff. We forget that like, the baseline of what like the regular person knows i'm gonna say regular i mean within a particular specialty right like not just people special right. Or whatever, right so the regular person they don't like look at what you do and catch any of the foundational shit they just see you go puka, 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 and then everything else is magic you know like you know how to scratch because you can literally do that at home with a with a scratch you know like everything else i'm like okay like what is a dj doing like i'm literally watching this man spin while i'm freestyling on fridays and shit and he's flicking knobs and it looks like he's literally fucking with the mix at every level right. live because he got and i'm like nah i don't know what he's doing i know he's doing things and i know the sound is sounding but i don't know what he's really doing so nah it's like it's so not like it's not like it's not like a herring in me like this is just not my shits See, I don't know what's up with the camera at this point. Um, tu viens au retour après les problèmes avec la Zoom. All right. <laughs> check, check one. I'm back. We are back. All right, Chris, plug in on me rapping in French. That's where you could lift all that shit out in the middle, Chris. That's what's up. Thank you, Chris. You're amazing. Um, all right, I don't even remember a little bit where we were at. You were still in high school. You was crushing shit, politics, uh... Life is blessed, musical composition, pick better beats, listen to Jamal's advice by using mad music theory knowledge. Go learn your music theory on YouTube for free because it's that easy, everyone. Just throwing it out there. Uh, that was me. That was my two cents at the end. <laughs> and then um, you know, 12 Tone. 12 Tone makes music theory fun, and he tricks you into learning stuff. That's a channel y'all can fuck with. 12 Tone. Um, anyway. So what happens then in the later parts of high? Oh, right. We were going back to your DJing. That's where we were at. Then you were talking yeah, about queuing, was... queued, we auto queued. And then you were describing the speed up, the speed down. And all right, back to DJ line. All right, my brain caught up. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I was talking about um, learning about cues and my bad on the whole freeze up. Now we good. Uh, ask Mercury, yo. Uh, <laughs> it's something every time Hussein goes to the studio, uh, it's like system crashes, you know? It's so a, uh, no. bear with us. I'm not it might Merker. happen again. <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, I was just talking about how, um, you know, um, I was watching uh, uh, these guys in leadership, my friends in leadership, uh, basically start out DJing um um yeah and uh, a lot of the guys uh, actually that sound crew is known as uh nemesis sounds uh, today you know yeah, a lot of them right. are still part of nemesis sounds um shout outs to DJ kid um A10 uh etc etc um but yeah so I I got the priv I had the privilege of watching them um start out with virtual dj um watch them dj our jams you know on the computer and whatnot and i said yo that's dope like i'm i want to do the same thing kind of thing you know so i downloaded the program and i was just there mixing mixing reggae songs uh, some of my favorite songs on 
virtual DJ, you know, using the keyboard. So I learned how to cue, you know. And uh, cue is where you, you tell the keyboard, when I push this button, drop the track at this part. So, yeah, like you set your cues. So, you know, when I held up uh, the turntable, right, I was showing how um, I had my hand held that this is like, this is where the beat's going to drop. This is where I want to cue the song. This is this is where I want to start playing this record from, right? So that's your cue. Um, that's your start point of a certain record, right? Um, so, yeah, I learned how to do that um using the keyboard and um from there i was able to do other things like figure out how to play the cue right so you can set it then you gotta know which key allows you to play it right so on the console like you have you have a button you can press right and you can you know just run the cue that'll be your start point right so on the keyboard it's kind of the same thing so i figured out which keys allow me to do that um so yeah and then the last thing to figure out is just how to mix the songs right the crossfader right got to figure out how to go from one record to the next so once once i figured those out you know it's pretty it's pretty simple after that um so i kind of mastered that technique you know um just by watching them guys play at our jams um at our parties right we call them jams back in the early 2000s um i've seen some video yeah. footage of a couple of ndg jams i remember distinctly <laughs> one time in high school we're talking like 2003 2004 substitute teacher whatever whatever i don't know how it is but you know like when they roll in the fucking vcr shit on somebody played yeah, video footage of a ndg jam somewhere like walkley or whatever and i was like I was, okay, I'm a teenage boy, my guy. I didn't know. I didn't know it got down like that. I didn't know. <laughs> I, it was delightful. It did not last oh. very long. I can tell you that much. Nobody let that <laughs> shit play very quick. I never nope. forgot it for the rest of my life. I was <laughs> not invited to that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, man. Yo, jams or something else. Yeah, I got introduced to that in high school as well. Like, you know, um, first jams that I would be a part of was high school and I was just like all right it's like a mini dance hall right you see grinding up on the walls and whatnot yeah you know the break dancers hold down the middle um I'm not, it's baffling <laughs> to me I, I like yeah. yo you gotta understand like I'm just a kid never been to a party like that one time the best you get is what you see in movies and shit and that shit is like it was wild and they're all like teenagers i think or young people like i don't think it was like adults and so i think that was the bigger issue is like yo we can't be having this shit being played in school or whatever it's pretty <laughs> fucking wild I, I like that like i like the okay wago is interesting right because if you like look like me you learn a lot of things that you might not learn at other high schools um because it was mad multicultural like cool. what a jam is etc but let's go back That's to you um sir so you're djing throughout high school and uh you're doing your steel pants throughout high school are you interested in mm -hmm. rapping throughout high school yeah so um that all like stemmed from from leadership um so as i said you know we'd have the jams but we'd also have the movie nights and 
you know, I was always like rhyming before, just writing little rhymes back then. You know, I told you I wrote, you know, a few reggae verses, reggae songs, whatnot. Um, but uh, we watched, there was one time where we watched uh, Hustle and Flow, right? Ooh. I actually just watched it. <laughs> yeah. I went back and watched it the other day just to, you know, be inspired or see if I had that same feeling that I got back in like 05, 06 when I watched it for the, for the first time, you know? Um, that movie just, uh, I don't know what it was, but that movie just sparked something in me, man. And definitely that song, you know, Hard Out There for a Pimp, that beat was banging. You know, shout outs to 3-6. <laughs> that beat was banging. And uh, it had a, it, it definitely was one of the major sounds that I like to listen to in the early 2000s. Like listen. that that Southern sound, right? I listened to that song to this very day. I argue <laughs> that that is one of the best 50 songs I've ever heard in my life. Just that. Just from the beginning. You know it's hot out here for a bit. Yeah, bro. I don't care what anyone says. That shit's yeah. a banger. And I know what the content is. It doesn't make it sound yeah. this amazing. <laughs> but it was that man that movie yeah that movie inspired me to kind of go further man because um you know if you those of you who watched the movie uh you guys know like you know he started out with little to nothing you know we got i got this little fancy looking mic but it's you know it's really nothing in a sense um i that year i bought myself a pretty decent audio technica microphone you know it was about a hundred and something dollars you know um i was working probably at my dad's restaurant at that time so i was able to save up some money um and yeah i bought myself a, a microphone and i used to hang that shit with duct tape on, on my ceiling just to have the microphone hang down right just oh. to have that hanging effect before i bought myself a mic stand but um that's that's kind of how i started out um this is like oh five and in early in high school like uh early high school um yeah i was writing a lot of remixes right um when tipsy came out like i i used to i used to uh yeah i wrote like my own remix to tipsy i wrote a verse and, and my my best friend uh he goes by Mr. Pong now. So he he's the one that continued on with the steel pan um, on like a more professional level outside of the academy. Um, but, you know, we were like, we were like a group back then, you know, it was like three, four of us. I kind of was taking the rap more seriously, but I always felt like uh, my boy, he went by Matrix at the time, but Mr. Pong, that's his steel pan artist name right now. Um, he was always like the better writer. You know, I always felt he was a better writer. So it's kind of like um, a G unit kind of thing. Cause G unit was a heavy influence at that time also. Um, once, yeah, once Get Richard Die Trying came out, like, you know, for me, I, I, I listened to that heavy. My uncle was a big fan of that album. I think his favorite song was like Heat. It's a good album. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, 
but prior prior to high school like i i had no idea like who 50 was and whatnot i remember my cousin coming over to my house to you know make me a cd right make a a mix cd back then we had to download our music you know limewire and all of that stuff that era right so she like came over and introduced me to those programs um and that's how i started uh downloading like different music uh listening to i yeah i would look for the remixes so i remember i was the first one actually to play uh the Usher and Ludacris, uh, You Don't Have to Call Remix. I, I took a trip to Toronto with the Steel Pan Band. Um, this was grade six. And yeah, this is when I made my like first mixtape or audio CD or whatever, right? Because I wasn't really mixing when I was uh, 12, but you know, I was putting songs on a, a CD and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I, I was like the first one to find that remix amongst my boys and i kind of introduced that to them like we were on the bus jamming to that cd you know uh yeah that luda verse was heavy so when i went in high school it was just like i was listening to the different cadences that i liked like the different artists um you know for me i yeah i liked the you know Jarul murder inc at that time right early 2000s i was watching you know much music and all of that so there was a lot of Jarul on there so you know i was a fan uh in the beginning but then like 50s whole approach you know like it just just caught me off guard and it was entertaining right like i i like that whole bully style or whatnot it was it, it made me laugh or whatnot right <laughs> so i gravitated more towards 50 and yeah and i and i i enjoyed the album whatnot and then when uh beg for mercy came out you know popping them things like that was my favorite song like that beat was just banging for me so in high school like spent my time doing like a lot of remixes prior to that prior to that album coming out right beg for mercy was yeah, what oh four oh five i don't know i'm not gonna lie yeah but um yeah when beg for mercy came out um, it was also around the time when I was able to finally like write my first song for school purposes. So in music class was like sec three prior to prior to uh, being able to write our own song. Like all we were doing was, you know, playing the acoustic guitar, playing those little songs in the book. And for me, it's like, yo, this is not music class. Like, I didn't sign up for this. I learned more in Steel Pen than I do here, right? I thought I thought music class was actually music class, right? Mm. You know, but no. Make sure you bring your pick next week, guys. All right. You know, I don't bring my pick to class because I don't want to play no, you know, the spider went in my oatmeal kind of songs. Like, nah, like, I don't have time for that, you know? <laughs> um, so... Me, I completely just ignored the class in a sense to the point where it was like I was on the verge of failing music class, right? And it just didn't make sense. Somebody who's just, you know, so fond of steel pan, I, I know actual music. Like, why am I failing music class, right? All because I don't bring a pick to class to play the guitar, right? But finally, she allowed us to uh, make our own song, like come up, form a group 
and, and make a song. So it was me, Mr. Pong. So back then I went by the name Lil Sane. Um, I think that's when, yeah, I came out with the name Lil Sane. Um, as I said before, I was influenced by the Lil Bow Wows, the Lil Waynes, the Lil Zanes, right, from elementary. So I kind of knew, you know, I wanted to be a Lil. <laughs> My first email was Lil Baby Boy 2K2, like, you know? Hey. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, my, that was my first hotmail. So um, I went by the name Lil Sane back then in high school. Um, and yeah, so I formed a group, uh, me, uh, Matrix, or Mr. Pong, and this white dude who plays the guitar, you know, he knows nothing about rap, but he, he has a guitar at home. And, you know, he felt like he could contribute some guitar tabs. It's like, all right, cool. He, he's the first, uh, he's the first person like I seen with like recording software, right? So I went to his house to do the project, but, you know, I took that song, Popping Them Things, like I found that instrumental and, you know, we kind of kept the same cadence, the same flow. And I, I just went for it, you know, <clears throat> just changed it to like every day in high school. All the girls be around on my whole crew. Like, what? We hold them down like we supposed to. But they can front if they want, but they know they're going to be in my shawty. Like, you know? It's making songs for girls, like, from back then kind of thing, you know? That's a smart and move. That's what, that's the, you know, what did Don Smooth tell me? Wash the women. What's Jamal Wash the women, Go for the women. <laughs> that's just what it is. Yo, I didn't even know that. So literally, no, that's the new move. That's all I care about. I'm like, that's the smart people move. So I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, man. So, you know, that's when I, I got to make my first official, like, remix kind of thing. Like, actually record it. Um, and, yeah, like, that was, that was, like, my favorite project in, in high school, right? Like, I got to write my own song kind of thing. So then when I saw Hustle and Flow, it was just like, okay, like I'm going to get myself a mic. <laughs> you know, it was like a year or two after that. I'm going to get myself you, you a know, microphone. Like, yo, no, for real though, just to add to the Hustle and Flow thing, because I had a, like, yo, I'm not like, I'm a couple years older, like two, three max. So like, yeah. I remember watching Hustle and Flow when I'm like 18 or 19. And I'm like, yo, because he like gets this low end gear and then they're in the room and they make that like whoop that trick track like they make that song in the yeah. room you watch them okay yeah. yo yo that's hype loop that and like oh i'd never seen that process happen and then he just Me comes either. in and drops this one take and you're like i guess that's what it is and i wonder if that's why <laughs> we all want a one take is because terrence howard a one take <laughs> Yeah. yeah, bro, Terrence Howard. I think he inspired a lot of us. <laughs> you know what I mean? He inspired, he inspired a lot of at least to you know get our own shit. Nah, but like, I'd say that all of know? it though. Just seeing it, it's like yo, you could have yeah, that. Man. Like, I could do that because it didn't look impossible. It didn't look like 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 professionals. It looked like, and then I like you know life moves on, and the next thing you know, you are in a room one day like that. And then the next thing you know, you're on Twitch having conversations and shit. And life, life's yeah, fascinating. Right? Um, but that's yeah, mad nifty. Anyway, so yeah, Hustle and Flow inspires you to get yourself in like a position to roll. Yeah. So, you know, I got I got myself a microphone. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I hung that shit up on, on the ceiling, man. I let that thing hang. And yeah, like 05, 06, I was kind of just having fun. You know, I had some shit on YouTube. I made like a high time series kind of thing. Um, what is a high time I was just series? taking, I would, I would just get high and I would put on an instrumental. And that's when I like freestyled and just did ridiculous shit when, you know what i mean it was, you're at the it was more comedic you were in the beginning of youtube making freestyle high videos yeah man that's that's not the average yeah, yeah. that's actually really fucking cool yo before yeah, we go cool. somebody i i it kept asked uh do you know uh stand high patrol stand high patrol yeah doesn't ring a bell right now fair enough they uh appear to be a music group so I just wanted to ask because okay. I said I would. Um, but, yo, um, I just think it's fucking cool, man. I just think, like, yeah. everything that you've been doing is, like, we're pretty deep in and we were, what, like, 17? Not even? Um, Not even. That was still, like, 15, man. That was, like, 2005, 2006. So I was, like, I'm born in July. So I was, like, going on 15 or... You know, 15 going on 16 when I was doing that. And, um, but like, shout outs to, uh, at the time I wasn't part of the group, but uh, shout outs to Black Gloves. Um, there was a group from St. Luke that was uh, kind of doing their thing at the same time, you know. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the artist Tagans. Right, um, so here's how I know what Tagans is. You know how I know what Tagans mm-hmm. is? Well, let me pull up my fucking uh, uh, fucking Firefox on this track called "Touchdown" on 2020 Vision by Jamal Hussein. Yeah. It features a guy named Tagans, who otherwise I've lo- not actually heard of before. Yeah. But yeah, so Tagans was part of you know the group Black Gloves, and I don't know what year they started out, but you know, around 05, 06, you know, that's when I, I caught wind of them, like 05. So I had some cousins that, you know, went to St. Luke and, you know, they were big fans of their music, uh, sharing their MySpace and all that, all of that stuff, you know. Um, so, yeah, you know, I created my MySpace after that. Um, but, you know, there would be a few songs that I enjoyed from them, Um so yeah, I have I remixed their own remixes kind of thing too, you know, Hold for on. certain songs you, that you I like. Remixed <laughs> local music back in the day. Yeah. Yo, we should just do that. Just like I'm saying in 2021, like like I should just take yeah. Red Pill Blue Pill and make the Holden version. I don't know how consenting should, that is. Maybe that's a dope idea. Maybe <laughs> it's not. Maybe everybody should ask for permission before doing some shit like that. And I shouldn't encourage theft. That's not the point. The point is, fucking support local music was what I was trying to yeah. say. Shout out Bashman Boo for popping in and saying what's up. Yeah, shout out Bashman Boo. Um, Long time supporter of Black Temple, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I like Bashman Boo. He's a fun guy. Um, yeah, man. Family things. Nah, that's that's dope. So you were remixing the uh, the uh, black the other black something groups i'm being yeah black gloves gloves. um it's my bad with tagans yeah so you know i was i was paying attention to what they were doing they were doing a lot of songs you know they're 
they started out with the you know the, the the grainy camera footage and you know shooting their own music videos and whatnot so i always admired them for that right um and um yeah and that's still before i really like paid attention to what's going on like obviously like preach sent me music throughout high school or i'd see preach music videos like voice of the streets was came out like 2003 um so yeah i remember preach sending me some records and yeah even then i remember i wanted to remix his walkley record yo, you know that shit i'm from <laughs> that walkley is, yo, exactly Woo! to this yeah, day yeah it's like it is trust me oh anyway yeah trust me yeah it's so yeah three I blocks away I... from walkley dude to this day it's like every time i hear it it's joy <clears throat> yeah I, when i was in dg man i grew up on walkley for 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 a minute and then you know my mom kind of moved me out the hood moved me out certain areas um we moved to saint henry afterwards and we're there for a while but um yeah shout outs to uh black gloves you know dg native and you know i was watching them do their thing you know, shooting their music videos doing everything like themselves you know i came to learn that ski was recording elon ski he was recording the music, you know, in his apartment, you know. Um, so, yeah, when I got my microphone, like, I was doing the same thing. I know Elonsky. The guy's on my Facebook somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. So, so it was Elon. It was Tagans. You know, it was TJB. Like, at the time, there were, like, six members. And it ended up being seven. And, yeah, by the time I joined, it was eight. But, um, you know, before I joined, I, I still was doing my thing. And, yeah, as I said, I remixed, like, some of their songs that I enjoyed. I asked them for, like, some footage or whatever. You know, just send me a little video clip of you or whatever. I took that. Um, I took their song. I kept, you know, maybe there's probably, like, six guys on one record, right? So every guy has, like, a half a verse. So it's like, okay, I took this guy's eight bars, then I went. I did a little eight bar here. Then I took a next guy's eight bar, and then it's like, all right, I went on the next one, you know? It's for, like, each verse kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I put that also on YouTube. Like, that was one of my favorite records or whatever. And then, um, so, you know, I have my own equipment. I'm doing my thing. I started out in the, in the living room doing my thing. And then my mom's just like, yo, she let me move the computer up into my room. And then it was over. Like, it was a wrap. I, I, painted, <laughs> I painted my room red. <laughs> you know, I got myself some blue lights. And, you know, like the Martian was like created, you know. The Martian was born in a sense. Let's talk about um, that. What is the Martian? What does that mean? I mean, I know that so, to you that's everything. But what is, what is the Martian? Yeah, like the original Martian, um, I just I just wanted to be different. Um, I always felt like I rapped different. People back then, especially when I became more known to the public, more so in like 2008. Um, to, well, yeah, 2008, 2009. And then by the time I dropped Life's Better in 3D, like 2010, you know, people would say, oh, uh, like he raps different, he's offbeat or something like that, right? 
So I was just like, well, I'm a Martian. Like, I'm different. I got a different flow. And for me, it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm from Mars. Like, you know, I'm not from this world. I kind of want to go back to like an original thinking, right? So for me, my name at the time was Lil Sane, right? So I dropped a few records. I did my first show, 2008 Street, uh, it was Street Vibes. Uh, Preach put that on with uh, Head and Hands and some other groups. Oh, so nice. I did my first show as Lil Sane, right? So I had that sane element, right? Sanity, right? always and i came from a reggae conscious background so it's all no matter at the end of the day like there's always got to be some kind of sanity some kind of message to my music so by the time 2008 uh came around um you know i was in transition um yeah i was transitioning into um a whole different area of my life also religion wise too um I started learning more about like Islam. I didn't realize like Salah and family, they were Muslims, right? From Trinidad. They were Christians converted into Islam. Um, so I was gaining a bit of knowledge from them on that. And I was like, okay, you know, certain things seem interested and I gravitated towards that, right? Um, so that kind of played a part in my name change to Hussein, but instead of spelling it like Arabs do, I, I kept the same element and I just added the W-H-O, right? And if you see on the on my uh, on my other records when now you'll see the Hussein At-Talib, right? So the At-Talib was kind of like my Islamic name that I chose, Jamal At-Talib. At-Talib being the seeker of truth, right? Because I felt as though ever since I was like 10 and I was scared, I, I was scarred in church, right? Like I've, I've always been looking for the truth, right? In a sense. So I made that my name. So by the time I came out as uh, Hussein, right? It's, you know, Hussein. I used to spell it or write it out as like a question. Hussein, right? So I'm going to like showcase myself. I'm going to showcase art in a, in a different way. It might be different to you, but it's, you know, it's, it's the way I feel. It's, it's original to me. I've always done, like, original music apart from the remixes I've done. Um, yeah, Ski actually sent Elon, like, Elon Ski. He sent me a folder of, like, beats, right? And they were all, like, original beats. So I used whichever beats I liked from that folder. And that's how I, like, created my first mixtape um for 2010 you know i dropped the name hussein and yeah uh for me it was basically mars represents uh it stands for my art reflects sane you know so after my following album or project i named it my art reflects sane mars right so when i'm saying i'm from mars like i'm showcasing me i'm showcasing my talent you know, my, my perspective or my ideas, the way I live or whatever messages I got to say, whatever downloads is coming to me, like, this is me, you know, this is my art, you know, if you don't enjoy it, that's okay. It doesn't have to be for you, but it's a reflection of me. It's a reflection of sane, you know, they used to call me sane, like for sure, you know, um, 
yeah so um yeah man that's that's basically who the martian was and just having the the conscious background from the reggae growing up um i didn't feel as though you know there was too much consciousness in like the mainstream so if there's anything that i was doing that sounded a bit mainstream i wanted it to have a a different message to it or an actual message to it as opposed to you know just have fun or whatever narrative uh was needed to be pushed at certain times you know that's fair enough i mean i appreciate that i like the fact that you put that level of effort into your branding like i don't think people know how much how hard it is to like create a character like that to create this whole universe that you're a part of that you can commit to and when i listened to your flow i did notice it was it was different i don't know how else to describe Mm -hmm. it it wasn't off it was different and yeah. the first time you I, hear it, you're like, yo, that stands out. So, you know, for me, I called it, I called it the steel pan flow. Like, you know, forget what anyone's saying. Like, I, I've played like crazy runs in steel pans, you know, where I'm playing like 16 notes, 30 second notes. And there's even times where it's like, you know, 60 forts. But it's like, if I can, I know I can make it fit within time it might sound off time but i know you know how to construct it or whatnot I know you know there could be records where i didn't take the time to really perfect it you know so it might sound off but i know that the steel pan flow as i call it like it's all within time because timing was the first thing i had to master in steel pan right i played the bass and i'm keeping the time Nah, I so, totally hear what you're saying. Because to me, it wasn't like it was off. It, I never felt that. Mm. But it felt, like, different. Like, you, you yeah. kind of, like, you do what you want with it. And I feel like that's more the element of it. Like, your, your shit lands mm-hmm. where it needs to. But I guess now that you say it, yeah, you almost take, like, a, a more flexible approach to the first part of, like, your bar, let's say. And then kind of get flex- mm-hmm. loosey with it. I like that. That's, yeah. uh... And I hear what you're saying, though, because, like, music is math fundamentally. So if the equation lands, the equation lands. But maybe not everybody is accustomed to all the different equations that exist to make everything land up right. Like, most music is in 4 by 4 timing, um, and that's just, like, one part. You know, like, there's other time signatures. There's all sorts of other things that happen with it. So I fuss with what you're saying. And I like the fact that you can describe it like that because it helps. I think it helps people look at flow in a different way maybe Mm. and look at that like yo just because maybe you don't understand the flow doesn't mean it's not derived from some specific musical thing that maybe you're just not privy to which i liked that's dope too yeah man respect so you know is that element uh that steel pan element uh that really you know set me apart or made me different from you know a lot of a lot of the other artists and um yeah so by then you know like um obviously by yeah by then by being part of black gloves uh i got introduced more to the montreal scene and whatnot um i i actually i did i did i do remember um this group from dg uh apart from preach well preach was on their album (laughs) But um, 
um, like DPC, or he had a song with a Kappa from DPC, right? So they were called the Pimp Class. So uh, yeah, I remember them back in like 05, 06 also. Um, could have been later, but I remember them also like being the Montreal influence. Shout outs to Lab Noise, you know. They were the only ones that I seen at the time making videos. Um, that's full course. Yeah, it's funny you brought them uh, Another up. Montreal artist. Right? His Lab Noise did that like freestyle series thing where they showcased. Exactly. I was planning on running through those motherfuckers on the stream in the near future. So it's funny you brought them up mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, step your bar game up. Yeah, um, we actually had an episode. Black Lives has an episode. Yeah, it's fresh. Um, yeah, and you know, like those are all the things like I got introduced as I started hanging around more. You know, by that time, 2010, like I was driving around more. I was in I was in uh, college or finishing up like Dawson. Um, but yeah, I was uh. Yeah, I was rolling around, you know, DG, whatnot, um, hanging out, like getting getting accustomed to these guys just making records or seeing seeing their grind, you know. As Don Smooth, you know, dubbed them like the youngest in the city, right? Like called us the youngest in the city. Ski was like the youngest member. Ski was like fourteen. <laughs> you know, everybody was like sixteen, seventeen. You know, I was like 18, 19, but then turning 20, right? 19 turning 20, I was like the oldest mem member by the time I joined. And I was like the eighth member, you know? So by then they already had records on uh, on the radio, you know, Don Smooth, um, he was playing their records. One of the biggest one they had was called uh, Coded, right? Um, so, you know, it was, it was it was just fascinating and you know inspiring and I shout outs to Tagans like Tagans was always the member of the group that I always like watched and was I I admired Tagans, um, he had that deep voice from me. I was like sixteen, you know, and I was just like, yo, his his flow is different and you know I, I get like his bars are also different. His he, he's dropping you know some gems he, like you really gotta attention to what Tegan says right like you heard touchdown like uh that's like one of my favorite records man like you know i don't really do features but you know i heard that one and i was just like yo i, I want Tegan's on this you know um he was just somebody that i always admired um and yeah like those guys they had their records on the radio spinning right like on a regular coded you know and I started seeing more of the Montreal scene, you know, um, seeing the Pimp Classes video shot by Lab Noise. I got introduced to Widget, um, you know, Widget was probably like the first one to have a video, like, right? I think that's what he's known for, like one of the first ones to have video out. Then I started um, listening to records from Boy Blue, you know, I ended up meeting Boy Blue being around the same venues as Boy Blue, Full Course, like all these other Montreal artists, right? I'd even, like, apart from, you know, the underground scene or the community scene that, like, Preach kind of introduced me to that I, I knew was around, right? Like, I would do Street Vibes uh, 
maybe once or twice after that. But um, I didn't know there was like a Montreal scene that was kind of more mainstream or kind of doing their own things that kind of seemed more mainstream, right? Um, yeah. And then there was just other videographers such as like Justice, Justin Augustus um, mm. shooting videos. I know right? that. Okay, okay. That's a name I recognize because I used to watch yeah. those videos. Like that was um, like, anyway, we can go on. Stuff. Yes, you know, so he's, he he was you know shooting some heavy videos, right? Um, so it's just great to be a part of that. Like, um, I don't think I would have really been a part of it had I not joined Black Gloves. You know, I I went to um, Street Sounds, right, Don Smooth's radio station, and you know, like that's when I dropped my first like on air freestyle or whatnot right you know um and i enjoyed that shit like that you know like don smooth and other radio hosts made us felt feel like we were like stars you know in our own city man you know you yeah, he, he always one. support you always support yeah just to add to you what know? you're saying because you know, what i like to do sometimes is like especially because you're talking about a time at a city where <clears throat> weirdly enough not a lot of people really talk about I mean, you might like, you might like think it like comes up, but like people gloss through this. Maybe everybody was drinking or something, and that's why they don't have the most clear memories. Or maybe you weren't. I don't really know. But like, <laughs> I'm listening to people as they just paint this era because it's so fascinating. And just all these people. Like, I only start coming into the game in like 2012, so everything prior to that is a mystery to me. And I'm just unraveling it through everybody else's stories. But one of the big things that you said in there. And it's just interesting because like I was talking to a person today and they were telling me how they wanted to like focus on themselves to find out who their identity is, et cetera, et cetera. To which I'm like, respect, man. I totally understand what you're talking about. But then you have to just keep in mind that it's through like collaborations that you're really going to meet people. And I didn't really make that, sure. that smart choice to collaborate very mm -hmm. early in my life. I only started engaging now when I'm older. But listening to what you said, the key thing was, if it wasn't for Black Glove, I don't think I would have, etc. met all these people. But have, like, yo, to like, be around Boy Blue during that era, to see all these things happen, like, that came by virtue of working with people and being part of this collective and this movement. And that is a That's fascinating good. and powerful knowledge nugget that I think a lot of us really need to have drilled into our heads. And I include myself in that. It's an adjustment to play nice with others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cause I mean, I could have been a part of it from from early, right? You know, but at the same time, I had that stance where it's like, nah, I'm a, I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm a, you know, develop my own sound or whatever. And it's, you know, it's great that I did that because I was able to stand up as, you know, like a standalone artist in a sense. Um, we did, you know, I have a few records with them or whatnot, but from from time i got like the inspiration to go you know i was just like on it you know from that folder ski sent me you know there was one song um the first record i did on the lice better in 3d mixtape was superfly so i wrote i wrote that verse right and i think that's the same that's the same verse that i i did on the radio at don smooth right 
that's the same one. That's where I'm going in like four languages, you know, like I'm introducing the Martian at that point, you know? And um, yeah, I wrote that record, like that first verse. And I was just so excited, man. I was just like, yo, all right, I'm gonna do a mixtape. And at that point, that was like April. I remembered the date, like April 4th, 2010. <laughs> Cause that's what I titled the, the song, right? I didn't have a name for it. I just knew the date. It's just April 4th. So this was April 4th. Um, but yeah, so I wrote that record. And from there, it was just like, yo, I'm doing a mixtape. And then by that time, I believe like, yeah, April 13th or something like that, Cushion Orange Juice dropped uh, from, from Wiz Khalifa, right? Um, I, uh, yeah, so being a part of Black Gloves, um, I was able to open for Wiz Khalifa when he came. Right? And I believe it was September of 2010. Um, so, yeah, you know, I just learned about these new artists or whatnot, but Wiz Khalifa hanged around one of my favorite artists, uh, Currency, right? There was a point where, like, I wasn't listening to a lot of music before that, but then I seen Wiz and I seen Currency and I was just like, yo, Spitta, like, you know? So I started checking back on Spitta's music. And then I think Pilot Talk dropped uh, like June. So after after Christian Orange Juice, it was Pilot Talk. So those two were like big influence for that project in a sense, you know? Like I, I'm a heavy weed advocate, right? Like, you know, I smoke a lot of Kush and whatnot since back then so i i knew like i'm just gonna be myself and you know do my thing and you know drop certain records you know i'm gonna have a weed song here i'm gonna have you know a nice club feely record maybe i might have a that kind of vibe but i'm always gonna be myself and drop that you know that martian element that message or, or whatever i feel needs to be dropped um I just feel like Life's Better in 3D is, is different, you know? It felt like an album to me. Every time uh, I listen back to it, you know? Obviously, I'm like, okay, yeah, this could be better or whatnot. But um, if I just take it for what it was at the time, like, you know, for me, it's like, yo, that's my classic piece right there, you know? <laughs> but I just love how, like, just just all of this, right? Like, you're all, like, it's just so organic, Right, like you're with people you 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 could have been in, but you took time to establish your identity, which the more I think about is really smart, uh, because you do it, but then you're able to roll. So you figure out your core brand, but you still play nice with others, because you have to do that in order to meet people. And then you're going out there, you open up for Wiz Khalifa while he's promoting an album I know Chris Chrome fucking loves. Um, I don't know. I feel like Wiz Khalifa came in just as I was a little bit too old to care about what he was doing at that point. But in hindsight, Wiz Khalifa is fucking wonderful. Um, so that that's going on. You're out there creating your music. Are you still DJing at this point? Are you still interested in that? Oh, I mean, like I I never had a, I I never got myself a a, a controller or anything like that. But um, like I'm I've I've always been interested. I know it, it's in it's there, right? It's something that I know it's there. Or I knew it was there, so I didn't have to really, you know, say, okay, like I wanna be a DJ and whatnot. Like Preach will tell you, they didn't they didn't like want me to be in the clubs or whatnot, right? Like, you know, 
once once they basically seen that I was interested in music, like Preach became like the big brother or whatnot. And Preach, you know, he he went to Toronto, he did his thing, he came back to the city and you know, he was working with different uh, like youth uh, youth groups, community organizations, putting on these shows or whatnot, um, working with community. So he was more of an artist as opposed to a DJ. So he seen I was interested in being an artist or hearing certain records I'm doing. And, you know, he decided that, you know, he would guide me in that direction or mentor me in that direction. Mm. You know, if ever I wanted to pick up DJing completely, like um, I had my uncle, but there was a point where um, his focus also changed, you know, he stopped DJing, mm. he focused on, you know, getting um, that nine to five job, whatnot, excelling in that, um, you know, becoming a Christian and, and different things, right? So he kind of stepped away from the music because he didn't want to play certain type of music, right? So yeah, I gotta, um, we gotta make a pivot here because the story is wonderful. And yo, I love the pace we're at. I don't want to change the pace of the story. <laughs> but there's a part of your story that's a more nowadays thing that if I don't bring up, Ishmael will kill me on. Let's let's talk a little bit about Shiatsu. I don't even know how to fucking say that. Yeah. Shiatsu. Yeah, so um that's that's a more recent thing. That's why um, I wanted to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, Shiatsu is a is a massage technique right uh developed by like the japanese using like chinese medicine right so it's a it's a type of massage where we stimulate um the acupressure points right your pressure points along like your organ meridians in order to like tonify or sedate certain energies within your body right um that's something i got into after <laughs> I got a concussion like two years ago. Um, you know, my sleep pattern was all over the place. Um, I had like light sensitivity uh, to the point where I got glasses now and whatnot, you know, like I got my glasses, whatever. But um, yeah, so I, I, I got into Shiatsu because I was always interested in like, uh, you know, they'll call it the occult or whatnot, but I was always interested in like higher energies, um, hidden messages, numerology and stuff like that, you know. Um, from high school, you know, uh, somebody told me like my life path was a, was a nine, you know, and from then it was just like, okay, like what is a nine? So you research certain things. I was like, okay, cool. You know, you see eleven, eleven, make a wish, okay, manifest. All right. So I was always interested in 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 these kind of messages, and having that like Rastafarian like background, I always believed in like natural healing. You know, so um, I got into Shiatsu after I got a concussion. I was working at the airport, and uh, you know, I got hit with like a water hose. Um, just a metal, a metal bearing on the water hose slapped me in my head. Um, I didn't lose consciousness because that could have been a whole different story. There was a whole bunch of water around me. Uh, I could have fell and hit my head on the truck. <laughs> but 
that's besides the point. Yeah. So I got hit. I got a concussion and, you know, I got some time off of work. And, um, you know, the mother of my children, she was going to um, a school for natural therapies in NDG. And she was on, she was studying like uh, naturopaths. She was studying to be a naturopath. Right? So, um, you know, I was interested in some of the courses she was doing. But as I said, I was interested in like tarot and a whole bunch of stuff. So I, I looked into um, different courses I would be interested in for different schools. And um, I ended up just saying, you know what, like, let me just try Shiatsu out. Like, you know, it sounds, sounds interesting. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was that pulled me to it. Maybe I was just trying to get like a, a double diploma kind of thing. So I'd have like the massage therapy with um, the naturopath tools. I think I was aiming for that but I actually ended up starting with the shiatsu so you know from the first course from the first class that I did um you know my sensei felt like I was a natural and you know really encouraged me to continue with it you know felt that was very intuitive you know um and yeah the more I did it I felt I felt myself connecting with the energy um and at the same time, I was doing different workshops with uh, the late Mary Swain. Uh, she passed away last year. But um, I was doing some workshops with her in order to, like, unblock my throat chakra, in order to connect deeper with my heart chakra. It's just different things, you know. And um, I just remember, like, being introduced to just meditation in, in that form, right, like, I never really was told to like sit down and, you know, look into your heart, like look, direct the energy into your heart or direct the energy into your, your stomach, your belly area, your root chakra. Like I've never done that before, but, um, you know, there was times where I would be trying to exercise and it's like, my eyes are closed and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to connect, but like, I'm somebody I could be in my head a lot. Right. I have a whole bunch of thoughts, so I revert back to these thoughts, and I was just like, okay, am I doing this right? And then, you know, I'd hear her say, like, you know, get out of your head, you know? Like, she's talking to the class or whatnot, but really, like, talking to me. <laughs> I had some, you know, like, classmates who've, who's done this before, who, you know, just getting a refresher or who's on, like, level two, and, you know, she just invited me to the class because uh, she had the space, and... You know, she can. She felt my intuition. Um, so yeah, she allowed me to be a part of the course, and you know, I just learned how to really like connect with uh, the different energies of my body, the different senses. Um, you know, I've seen, I see things that I, I haven't seen before, um, and yeah, like I just wanted to kind of like share that with you know, others as like a healing modality, right? Like my music, I try to always like put a, a message in my music, in certain songs, whatnot. Um, and, but with the, with the shiatsu, I literally have a direct impact on someone's health, you know? 
like nowadays um i've always been an heir but nowadays it's like i have i have more of a capacity and i have a better understanding of how to hold space for someone right so i can i can listen without being judgmental and i can listen and really figure out what is triggering these emotions or or what could be the cause of a certain um a certain stagnation in energy right um because energy is just supposed to flow and so when we feel certain pain right that's a stagnation in energy like where is this coming from is this is this pain coming on the the side of their you know their leg their body like the it band is it the sciatic nerve like where is this pain coming from right so you know and i'm able to say okay well um you know allergy issues hmm, that could lead that could be a sign of something uh wrong with someone's liver or just different things like that you know what i mean so basically if you want healing with the smooth wonderful voice of jamal hussein and all this deep knowledge <laughs> you can holler at the man and get your healing on that's what i'm understanding uh, from all of this basically <laughs> I mean, he didn't want to say it air, himself. He, he didn't want to land it there, but <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. But yeah, no, that's, that's mad though, because it's like, on top of the fact is that, yo, you provide a really valuable service. Are you insurable? Do you get like insurance receipt stuff? Um, yeah, I'm about to, I'm about to get that. Like I just, uh, I'm a recent graduate. Um, so yeah, I'm about to get the insurance receipts. There's just uh there was just some um, like everything the you know, the more the more this becomes recognized in the province, right? There's uh just some more there's a requirement uh, that we have to meet, right? So they're demanding like more hours um right now it's like 600 hours for you to get credited and recognized as like a, a therapist and be able to give insurance receipts. But prior to COVID, they were trying to increase it to a thousand, you know. So I was spending the last uh, year and a half um, building up to the thousand hours for when things open back, so that I could be insured for more than one things, more than one thing, right? So um, I have like the the shiatsu, but now I also have like the the deep tissue. And I'm gonna be resuming my studies in acupressure. So at the end of the year, I'll be adding like acupressure as a modality. But you know, if you if you get a session from me, you'll see that I basically just cater to the client's need. So you know, it's a little shiatsu. Yo, shut it's up, a little... Damon, with the prime subscribe. Wonderful. Yeah. That I have to interrupt for that. I'm sorry. You understand how it is. <laughs> Big up. Yeah, so it's a little shiatsu, it's a little deep tissue, it's, you know, some acupressure. I'm holding some points for as long as I feel I need to to release certain energies. Um, yeah, I'm just, I just cater to the client's need. So right? you DJ the body? I DJ the body, bro. I'm, I mean, I'm if, moving, you, if you I mix really that think energy. about what you just said, it's like, so first you cue up the record and you autoplay it and... And then you do like a hand motion, you know, like on a record. Yep. No, I'm not. 
I'm not saying I'm a shiatsu specialist, but I do know that <laughs> within the realms of deep tissue, you may have a scratch wreck or hand motion or two going on as you DJ the body. <laughs> I like right? that. I think that's, I, I, I'm, I'm proud of that one. Sometimes I come up with them and they suck ass. That one was nice. <laughs> that one's nice, bro. Yeah, um, no, nah, that's, that's, that's like really cool. I just wanted to make sure that we touched on it because of that, that people could come literally pay you to come shiatsu deep tissue them. And that's something yeah, we're doing. And I'm mobile. Like, you know, I encourage, uh, you know, <laughs> staying at home kind of thing. Cause honestly, like when I was in class and, you know, we practice on each other when I would receive shiatsu, I personally don't want to move and 90% of the time I'm, I'm falling asleep. <laughs> so, you know, I personally would want to be comfortable. So that's why I try to like make myself mobile. I have my own Shiatsu mat that I can travel with. So, you know, if somebody is in a state where they can't really come to the NDG studio, um, yeah, that's a beautiful place. Oh, like they, I love it there. Where is the NDG studio? Uh, it's just right outside of like Venno Metro. Um, it's like two blocks away on North Cliff. Um, obviously by appointment only. It's also a school, so you can't just walk up in there to get information, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? But um, I'm allowed to rent the space and uh, I have access to all the tools there. So we have the acupressure table. I have the Shiatsu mats. Um, yeah, we have everything we need there. All right, so I got a next question. <clears throat> it's kind of similar in tone and idea to this first question that we just did. Um, if I were to want clothing made, who should I holler at? Should holler at me? <laughs> I do that also. Tell us about that. Um, Flex on your entrepreneurial hustle, my guy. So, you know, merch for me started back in like 2012. Um, yeah, around like 2000, no, even before that. Um, but 2012 is when I kind of uh, started my, my own thing. Um, but I used to make shirts uh, at Steel Van. Like they have their own silk screen or they had their own silk screen machine. So that's how I first got introduced to like t-shirt making. So, you know, those shirts you saw in, in that video, that 2010 performance, like we made those shirts, they made those shirts themselves. Right. Um, and as an artist, as a, as a rapper, um, I felt as though, you know, why not control my own merch or, you know, make my own merch. Um, I, I was already like thinking as a label from like 2008 kind of thing, you know, mm. I called my thing like sadistic entertainment. Um, so yeah, I was always like, well, if I had artists, then, you know, I, I would want to be able to make merchandise. Uh, I want to do like my own videos and, uh, you know, all that artistic, all that creative um, aspects of being an artist i wanted control of that so you know 2012 i believe um that's when i i got like my hands on on like a one a one arm silk screen so as opposed to like the six arms where i could do like 
three, four different colors. You know, I got myself a one arm press where I was able to do just one screen at a time. And, you know, I practiced on that. Um, I made a couple shirts here and there. Um, and yeah, you know, that was, that's how I got my hands started on that. Um, thing about it was like back then I, I sucked, <laughs> you know, I sucked. Right? I like it. Yeah, back then I sucked. Like that yeah. a lot. That's my favorite part. Cause we all suck at everything at first. Yo, I, I suck. <laughs> right. Like I, I suck. It wasn't as easy as it looked, you know, I hated well, I was still living at home, obviously, and like my mom hated uh, me having to change the lights in the bathroom from white to red every time I had to make a silk screen, right? I was trying to dry the shit in the bathroom, like under the, the ceiling fans and whatnot, you know, do all my coding with the emulsion in the bathroom and, and all of that hard work uh, that goes into like silk screening. Um, but yeah, like it, it, it wasn't like working out, you know? So then that's when I kind of like made my, yeah, I made my room red or I realized, okay, I had the, the walls were red. My lights are blue. If I want to do a screen, I'll just change the lights to red and I'll just do the screens in my room, right? So I'd put away like my recording equipment and make space for me to be able to uh, do silk screening, right? Um, but yeah, like, you know, I, I, I kind of, I sucked back then. Uh, you know, I had a few like contracts that didn't work out. And, like I, I got discouraged back then. Uh, I didn't continue with it. Um, but uh, yeah, after that, uh, I put it, I put it aside up until like, you know, now in a sense, like I always, I always had a passion for merch and um, you know, my sisters are, they're doing their own thing. Um, so I have two sisters. One, she does custom clothing or she, she has her own clothing line um, based on African print, right? So, um, you know, she even made me this, this dope pillowcase, right? I got this dope pillowcase from her, like, you know, silk, custom African print, you know? It comes with like a bonnet or whatnot. She does dresses different things right so my sisters got into the like the whole clothing um fashion or they picked it up where i left off in a sense you know um i have another one she makes uh clothes out of like crochet <laughs> right the the yarn and whatnot she does crochet work so she makes some accessories and, and whatnot um and i have another sister who runs like a a fashion boutique <laughs> Right. So, so we all do some kind of fashion, right? Something fashion related, right? So like Jamal's got the in-house consulting team to get any of the necessary things you could want from what's hip to like, you know, actually getting it made. Yeah, that's that's fresh. That's fresh. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, coming from like the hip hop and the urban side, you know, I wanted to just keep that, you know, fresh like urban wear or whatnot. So, um, yeah, I, I do a lot of hoodies, uh, t-shirts, whatnot. This right here is a custom piece, you know, black 365. If you go on expensive.com, you know, I have some new, some new pieces that I, I just created. Um, and yeah, kind of just, uh, 
taking like that passion for you know kind of creating it for merchandise as, as an artist kind of creating something for for the people um for them to to be able to wear also it's not everybody's gonna want to wear a, a hoodie that says jamal hussein right like <laughs> you know some girls might but apart from that you know <laughs> It's, it would nah, be absolutely no. You'll have a whole bunch of dudes who want to be in the music video that will wear that hoodie. <laughs> For sure. Sure. I got, I got my, my supporters out here. You know, my brothers show me love. No, but for real, but, though, um, I think what you're saying right there is really big. Like, people ask me for a minute, like, yo, where the merch at? And I'm like, nobody wants my merch. And I mean it because yeah. you know what nobody needs in the, in the world right now? And it's why I like hesitate on it a lot. Is for me to put like my logo on another like article of shirt like who that who needs that shirt i was thinking <laughs> about it like practically who needs the shirt yeah. you disappear for a second video wise yeah awesome and I'm, it's not that i don't want the shirt obviously down the line i want the shirt but i'm trying to think like your first merge drop it's gotta be like late otherwise it's like yeah. just a shirt but then in your case, you. you made a shirt that's lit. I couldn't picture a shirt like that. Like, that's a blessed shirt. Yeah, that's a shirt that, that a lot of people would just be like, nah, I want to I rock that. But that's where I was like, yo, that's nifty. You want to, uh, you're ultimately like branching into being like, I don't know what it is. The label of a clothing designer. Uh, is that what it is? A clothing designer? I don't actually know what the right term is. Yeah. Like, you know, like. I basically wanna I wanna bring these brands to life, man. Like, um, it's not just about me, right? You know, like yeah, I, I showcase you know some ideas that I came up with on, on my website, but you know I want these Montreal artists to get some high quality stuff like locally. You know what I mean? Mm. And like that's the whole thing. If ever I were to have a label, it would be automatic. Like there's no question about it you know like this stuff would be automatic like every artist would have their thing high quality prints no, i mean just you know? look at your design that design is blessed yeah i appreciate like this honestly like this came to me like as a download or as a vision you know what i mean like um i made this i made this last year like june of last year before i even had any equipment before like, I was really thinking of like really I, launching a so brand. Like where I was anything. trying to like get to a bit before is like I had to hold off on like going for like regular ass merch. Even with the Bridge the Gap hoodie logo, it's something I will do, but it can't be the first thing because of like what you just said. Everybody out there is kind of doing it. So if you just put Jamal Hussein, that's like the regular. Nah, that's some shit that's like, what is that? What yeah. is Black 360? I think it's African. What does it say? 365? Black 365? Black 365, yeah. Man, just like you listen know? to that. You you don't even need to like care who you are. You just want to cop that. But then it could yeah. also be something that is who you are because you made it. Bro, yeah. yeah. that, that's the kind of idea of branding that I'm waiting to hit me with gold. And then, well, I hit Jamal with like a quick idea with something I needed quick, quick, because it's not even against going to Jamal for the things. That was the first guy I thought of right now. But yeah. um, it's really just, uh, I want something interesting, interesting with merch. And that's what I loved about what you did is like, you're like, nah, if I just put my name on it, that's what a lot of people do. 
I've seen a lot of people lately do it. Uh, what I liked about like a, an example of Soul I Am, it's just this logo of an eye. You can just yeah, fuck with yeah. that shit. You're like you don't need, and then he has the version with his name on it, but you has the version with just this cool logo on it, and I like that shit a lot. And Bridge the Gap yeah, is super yeah. fucking cool, but it feels vain as fuck. Like I want something better. I want something like that, like like what you're doing with your vision that comes to you downloaded. My vision hasn't been downloaded yet, and I fucks with that well, a lot. We could create, bro. We could create, like you know. <clears throat> I'm not the the biggest fashion designer or whatnot, or you know graphic designer i should say but um as as i said like this came to me as like a download man That's like it. literally i was like asleep and it was just like you know yo black 365 but on it i have the quarter right i have a if you look at it closely or it, there's i put the quarter the one fourth right so because you got to remember like the leap years right <laughs> So I, you know, I just got a little more creative with it. So it's like black 365 and a quarter, right? Because every, you know, a couple of years, whatever, we have that leap year. That's so it's amazing. 366 every four years, right? So, you know, I just threw that up there or whatnot. But um, I started doing this as like vinyl, right? And I launched my website with like the vinyl version. And, you know, I had a whole bunch of like pre-orders for vinyl. But then I came across something that was just even better, you know what I mean? So I put I put that on hold and I was just like, nah, like, you know, I want higher quality or, you know, I want something that will last like forever in a sense, you know? And I came across a different method to do it. So then boom, like you have this version here where now like I'm able to offer like these full color prints to, to anybody, like any any client, right? Anybody that wants to do like bulk orders, 20 pieces or more, like holler at me, like, you know, we can get some serious merch going. Like your artwork will outlast the the shirt or the hoodie material, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm I've been sold for a minute and then life hit. But yo, I'm sold. I'm personally yeah. like, yo, he's the first guy I think of. But nah, I just wanted you to plug that too because motherfuckers need to support local. Like when, especially with that man, I looked on the internet and I thought to myself, "Nah, I'm just gonna buy from somebody here." You know, like that's what we gotta do more. I think. Yeah. Like yeah. it that way we like bring it in, and then it creates a stimulation of money coming through, and then with that I get this commodity that I can sell, and that's blessed as fuck. So for me, that's a down the line move for sure. Like, don't even get me wrong. And I think more people should look don't at it know. like that. Because, yo, and then if you do it in a 20-pack, for real, the 20-pack, yeah. I could afford the 20-pack. I can't afford no fucking bulk order yeah, 500 yeah. fucking quote me this motherfucking shit on the internet that you see. There you go, right? There you go. Trust me. And, and honestly, it was just like, you know, I check out, I check out the local print shops or, you know, I've got stuff made at, a kiosk in the mall you know for a show quick or whatnot just because oh you know i know they can do it right there on the spot boom boom but like what am i paying like 80 90 dollars for like one hoodie like i remember one time I, I made some merch for a show i had to do in toronto like this was before i was doing my own stuff and i went to that kiosk in the mall and it was like yo the hoodie alone i was paying for one vinyl hoodie with just one color or two colors on it i'm paying like you know 70 bucks for that thing 
$40 for a Jamal Hussein shirt. I was like, hell no. For for this for this cheap, like, you know, like the quality is not even something super soft or, or or anything like that, you know? So it's like, nah, like it it doesn't make sense. And you know, I preach will tell you, like, he's somebody that doesn't wear brands. Like, I don't wear much brands neither. Like, I got over all that stuff. I'm you know, mm. I'm I'm simple. I'm a That's simple big guy. Facts. Look at you know, this. Brand I don't care lady. for the bands. <laughs> to know? be fair, I will rock the Montreal's Finest brand, and everybody should cop that shit oh, at Instagram, sure. Montreal's Finest fi- uh, 1985. For sure. But, I mean, it's it's got a good I, keyword. I have, um, like, the last hoodie I can remember buying was from, like, uh, the Hungry Bastard, right? Mm. Like, I'm hungry, you know? I think, yeah, it was the time I did a show with... Uh, Willie Scandals and, and hey. everybody, man. Like, you know, I was blessed. Willie Scandals so. mentioned that he remembered the Black Loves performing too. So it's cool that y'all connected yeah, on that. Respect. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, and, that's, uh, that, that's dope. Let me ask you a question. Can you make slippers? I'm, a, I'm about to get into right. slipper making, per se. Um, right. Well, I mean, it's like... I'm, this kind of yeah. like right this shit right here with a logo on it yeah i could definitely get a logo on that um you know i'm just looking into if i find like a, a supplier with some dope slippers you know i can just add that to my my line kind of mm. thing add that to my product availability no because you know, somebody up, earlier this it, year asked me about swimsuits right and i was just like yeah, if you can pull out slippers, that is blessed, my guy. That's yeah. that's the only thing I've committed to. That was my first. Cause yo, I'm gonna be real with everybody out there. And if somebody steals the slipper idea, it is what it is. <laughs> I don't care. I want to see my logo. If I'm on my merch item, I'm not looking at my shirt. I don't see that shit on a regular. It's not like I'm all day long. I don't see the hat. I don't see. I want to see my shit. I see my shoes. I see my slippers. Mm -hmm. I want to look down on my feet and see my fucking brand. Yeah. I feel you on that. And so I want, so if you pull out slippers, my guy, absolutely. We'll fucking set that shit up and start the the bridge that got slippers. Yo. Definitely. I'm going to cop me a pair. (laughs) I'm not going to be like them dudes, right? Well, you know, I'll just order me an extra slipper and uh, just put it on the side. No, I'm a support, bro. Nah, <laughs> right? have it, man. If you're making the slippers, fuck that. You can't. You can't be. Nah, nah, just take the extra on the side. <laughs> nah, bro. But nah, you like gotta, I was thinking. You got to like, make your dollar too, bro. Nah, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm okay. I want to do this because <laughs> it's like, to me, it's like fun. And maybe you make a dollar. And maybe some people have some slippers that are nice that are, yo, cause listen, yeah. I, I know we're on slippers for a minute. It's cause I was thinking about how comfortable they are. You get a good pair of slippers. You can go outside with them. You don't have to put on shoes and look, that's it. That's actually. the blessed yo, shit ever. A lot of people like to, you know, they like the new sliders, right? Um, instead of getting yourself some Jordan slip ons or whatever, Jordan sliders, right? Like, Get some bridge the gap ones, Facts. right? Like, or why not? Whatever Jamal Some from the city decides bro. to go with black three sixty five and a quarter slippers. Some, some expensive ones. <laughs> Get you some expensive slippers. 
Nah, man, no to me, like, but that's the kind of shit I think is whatever, because, yeah, I don't think it's that saturated in local merch. Like, if I show, if you show up to the to the hip-hop show and you see a slippers next to everybody else's shit, you might not cop them, but you might just cop them. You might. Your feet might be a little, them. You might, your feet might be a little sore in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll remember them, though. No, that's my blessing. You'll remember them. So, yo, and, um... Tell us about Red Pill, Blue Pill. Yeah, Red Pill, Blue Pill. Um, oh, my camera doesn't go out again. All right. Red Pill, Blue Pill. Um, it's actually uh, something I did prior to lockdown. Um, yeah, prior to lockdown. It's just, you know, I heard the beat. And uh, I, just came, I just came up with, like, the concept, you know. It usually just starts like from the verse for me. Um, it depends, you know, but a lot of times, you know, the verse will come to me and I just wanted, I just wanted to make a song about, um, you know, people kind of chasing a lot of illusions in a sense. So that's why I started like, you know, 24 carats don't make you real. Right. Started out with that, you know, and then just, addressing certain things um you know i just want to know if i can build with you you know um because now there's a lot of connections or there's a lot of meaningless connections nowadays you know a lot of people are looking for what they can get from just from from like from this interview per se like okay I'm, I might be looking at what I can get from this. Oh, I might get one or two fans from this. I'm not looking at what you can get from this, the, like the knowledge or whatnot, you know? People might be just looking at this as, yo, I'm just going to plug my music. I'm going to plug whatever's going on with me. Yo, fuck all these questions. Like, I just want you to go on Spotify, hit that play. You know what I mean? Wow, but um, nobody's done that. For me, I'm, I'm all about like that long, that long term, right? long-term connections like i'm very to myself right i'm very to myself so i really but, like what uh, you're saying because i definitely think that there are people who have in fact uh treated this process in such a regard and i don't mean it like so bluntly everybody plays the game <laughs> <laughs> but um i don't know sometimes you can just feel the ways the way you know what it is is you can tell the before and after how does somebody talk to you before the interview and how does somebody talk to you after the interview that one has been a fascinating experience to learn through. Right. How do people treat you as things happen, etc.? But there are a lot of meaningless connections in the world. Whether it's, mm -hmm. yo, just for like, even if you examine your friends list of people in your life right now, and you look at it from the context of what Jamal just described, where like, you maybe go a little metric with it, a little pros and cons of value. Yo, sometimes you'd be surprised at how some people really don't like you. They just use you sometimes that's it not always sometimes it, you know so yeah i just kind of wanted to address that or you know get get people thinking about that kind of idea as you know we enter this whatever is about to go on right we had a whole period where we have to social distance you know we're still in that whole social distance thing but it's like you know to the point where you know, somebody sneezes and it's just like, whoa, we ain't even saying bless you anymore, right? Like, that, that's kind of, 
when you think about it, it's kind of like, yo, you know, we, we took like a 180 on that. You know, we're not blessing anybody anymore. We're thinking they're cursed, <laughs> right? So um, just in terms of the connections we make, like going forward oh, and, and whatnot, big. just yo, evaluate uh, who's there, man. <laughs> a full 180 on that. Whoa, that was bars. <laughs> yeah, we did, brother. We, nah, we took a full 180 on that, man. I hear your message, you know? though, yo, because the world's about to snap back at some point. That's it. And I seen a few posts that made me go, really? And I'm like, okay. And that's, that's, that's as far as I go with that one. But I've seen a okay. few things. You see some stuff. You see people's intentions. <clears throat> um, that's it. And you're like, okay. Um, there's just a few things I look for. Um, first of all, I fucks with you heavy. I fucks with your, you. I fucks with preach. I fuck with what a lot of y'all are doing because you can see the the way people give knowledge and the way that people put out there. And uh, I don't know, every interaction I've had with you feels more meaningful, we can say, than maybe some of the more rapid ones that have happened. And it's not to throw shade. I'm, like, I'm not supposed to connect with anybody. And it's like not like that's everybody it. out there is supposed to be some homeboy squad. I'm going to roll with you till we fucking... That's not what it is. Sometimes it's like, yo, exactly. let's do this thing. Let's make it happen. Boom, we made this moment. Let's move on. And some people is different. Yeah. But like That's exactly that. Nah, but like it's 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 uh I like your perspective. I like the fact that like in every conversation I've had with you, you seem very forward thinking. There's one more thing I think you should absolutely flex on, because we have to flex on. I put and more, because I didn't want to like too much connected to your life. But talk about working yeah. with kids. Oh man, like working with kids, like I'm. I'm the eldest of, of 12, you know, like biological and like four stepbrothers and sisters, uh, you know, with with the stepbrothers, I end up having like an older sister, but basically like I'm the eldest of 12, right? And for the longest time, like, you know, all, all I've all I've been getting was sisters, you know, I had four sisters before I, I even got a brother, right? Um, well five sisters it ended up being five sisters before i ended up getting a brother so basically you know um i just i just grew up yeah around obviously a lot of girl children or pick girl um yeah women whatnot uh, stepmothers what whatever it is right <laughs> yeah girl pick me um so yeah i grew up around you know my sisters whatnot even my cousins, a lot of them would be like girls or whatever it is, you know, get a few boys here and there. But being the first is like, you know, I had the responsibility of being like the leader, you know, my dad kind of instilled that in me. And, you know, apart from being in steel pan, like all the time, like I would always remember that. Um, so I just tried to make sure like I was an example. Um, so then by the time I ended up in like high school or in different uh, situations, I was just a, a mentor for um, like my colleagues or my, my bandmates, um, younger brothers or sisters, right? So being a part of uh, the Salo Steel Pan Academy, I was always around like Salah's grandson, you know, he, he was young. He just turned like uh, 
22 the other day kind of thing. But it's like I've been around this kid since he was like four years old, you know? And it's just like, um, yeah, it was always that family. We always had like a family vibe, you know? I looked, I looked to them as like my older sisters or whatnot. It was always like a family, a family vibe, you know? Outside of the school, it just felt like family. So I used that, like the whole academy, um, as like inspiration or as motivation to like continue working with the youth. So by the time I was like 15, 15, 16, and, and you know, uh, stuff like that, most of my summer jobs would be working in the camps or working in the summer schools, right? Um, so yeah, I would find those jobs where I can just be a positive influence on, you know, younger children or whatnot. Um, also the leadership, the leadership played a, a great role in that too. Um, just kind of, just kind of making sure the younger generation had, had their head on straight, you know? That's fresh though. <clears throat> Yeah. And you work with uh what is it west haven community center is that the yeah so right now it's uh west haven i work um i'm a volunteer for west haven community center um you know they just started streaming on on fridays they got uh they got their twitch page going up and right now they're doing a lot of djing they call it like the freestyle friday but they got some teenagers coming and showcasing like you know, their their 20 track playlists for the week or, you know, the hottest songs they listen to, um, you know, and a lot of them are showcasing different genres or whatnot. Like we're talking about the future DJs of, of Montreal, you know, um, and it's, it's great to see. It's great to see them do their thing. Yo, um, so let me understand this. I need to come talk to you to find out what the fuck I should be listening to if I want to be young again. <laughs> if you want to be young again no i mean that from a marketing perspective let's say i want to yeah. drop a song that's hot <clears throat> a song that's yeah. hot probably has to have some appeal with somebody who's 18 or like it's probably not going to be a hot song that's it and you know i, f I feel that too and it's like that's why i kind of took like a different direction and a lot of the stuff i have on like spotify you know kind of has like that trap feel to it until like you take a deeper dive into the lyrics right and you're just like oh he's not talking about selling drugs or you know <laughs> degrading women or, or whatever it is Counts, right man i don't even hear that with none of the youth i hear i listen to a lot of these young ones because yeah i went mm -hmm. on this like so yo it's pretty easy to find out if somebody's from montreal on spotify just just go to the low, the number of listeners Right, like where where right. they're from, and you'll see like Montreal, right. Longay, whatever, whatever. You're like okay, that guy has to be Montreal, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. has to be. Because <laughs> there's true. only like yeah. no this is, but there's only like less than a hundred most time. So yeah. if you only have less than a hundred, and they're all from Longay and shit, you're in Montreal. You're in that you're area. Which That's is not fair. And uh, so I've been bumping a lot of it, and I would say the it's a lot of emotional stuff. So it's not necessarily mm -hmm. conscious cognitive in that regard. But if you look at it as heart music instead of brain music, my guy, it's, it's rich. The city's yeah, rich yeah. with heart music. It's just sometimes yeah. the heart wants to do drugs. 
and other such things. I agree. Like, yeah, you know, when you when you look at this the scene in the city, yeah, I definitely would agree. Like, you know, it's a lot of heartfelt, and I think that's where we get the diversity, man. Like, that's where you get the groups like shade shades of culture and you know nomadic massive and community like you know a you lot know, of yo, those artists are it's, doing it's things crazy from that the you're heart saying right? it like with the, the ogs i was only thinking of people under the age of 25 as i said that no i i hear you i hear you but you know a lot of it like stems from those collectives right a lot of it stems from those collective and One's under 25 right now. I, I don't even know. Like who who per se are their influences like on. All right. So let me break uh, that down because I interview them. So I can say mm -hmm. with at least six people have had the exact same story. So there's got to be a regularity. All right. Let's bring it back. You're a young man. Shit's 2010. You're like 11. You got your first Galaxy S3 slash iPhone whatever crap. You discover this wonderful fucking app called YouTube. And on this yeah. thing called YouTube, there is a Led Zeppelin. And there is a Disco. And there is a Lil Wayne. And there is a Tupac. And there is an R&B. Yeah. And there is a Soka. And there is a Metal. And you spent your entire high school life cherry picking what the fuck you wanted to listen to regardless of whatever. That is almost across the board the experience I get when I ask people about their musical journey and they're under a certain age threshold, it is like under 25. You yeah, I listen to everything. What the fuck you think? Didn't you do that? And I'm yeah. like, no, I didn't. And I realized that's us <laughs> applying our nostalgia to this generation that had a completely different experience than us. And as such, they sing, they rap, they know what Drake does, but they also know what Shady does, but they also know what Wayne does, but they also can tell you about Black Dot. And then you're like, wait, what? And then they're like, yeah, but bro, check out Most Def. And I'm like, wait, what? And then we yeah, see yeah. how the media captures the five guys who say some dumb shit about Tupac. Like, yo, everybody, when they talk about this shit, they talk about Always. Billboard, right? Yep. Now, Billboard in 1995 isn't the most righteous beacon fucking thing ever. Y'all know Illmatic was not a commercial success at launch. Everybody wants to herald it like, yo, look at what's seven. So then he becomes Pablo Nascobar on the next album. Now, mm -hmm. I don't like nobody follows up the, the Nas 17 year old brilliance. But nah, it's so not a kid's go. Nah, look at the Nas story. Look what he had to go do before he could be conscious Nas as an old man. He had to go do that. Mm -hmm. So they're like, whatever. Now, nah, let me get that money so that when I turn 35, I'm not broke. And I'm like, yo, these kids are just smart. And I don't know why people's hating. Like, if I'm 17, why am I like, why do I need to be writing that shit? Even being 17 today isn't the same as being 17 when we were 17. Facts, bro. So it's like, <laughs> yo, I Facts. don't know, man. No, there's not a single person I have talked to under the age of 25 that has lived up to the stereotype that is presented to me by people who describe these young people. And I'm like, who the fuck are you talking about? And don't mm. get me wrong. I'm not saying that there aren't people mimicking mainstream sounds. I'm saying they're getting better numbers than me at younger ages. And then I have to go, what if that guy, by the time he's my age, has a label and shit because he did this now? And then I have to ask myself a question. Like, yo, maybe I'm just thinking it wrong. Like, like maybe I don't know what makes sense. 
Yo, cause am I am I am I crushing it as a musical artist? No, no, I'm not. I might be doing okay with interviews these days. It's certainly mm-hmm. not holding the rapper man these days. <laughs> Puts things in perspective, bro. Trust me, and yeah, bro. For me back then, it wasn't. You know, yeah, I didn't. I didn't really. You know, push my my thing the way others were pushing it because back then it was a lot of the spam, you know, the spam links as we were talking about the other day, right? A lot of it was just like, yo, I'm receiving messages from artists like, yo, check this out, da 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 da. But for the most part, nothing is really intimate as opposed to where it's like... Are you doing this on the gram though? Because on the gram it's different. You got kids doing behind the scenes fucking videos of how they make their songs, singing bad acapella, then the before and after. Dude, I'm telling you, I'm watching Instagram. It is not Facebook. Instagram. Yeah, man. Now it's a whole different thing, though. Now it's a whole different thing. But like back then, bro, you know, yeah, it was like, it was not- yo, the MySpace, the MySpace counter, right? Like all these, these, these rappers in the city, like the young ones at the time, they were running that MySpace cl- counter under thing bro so it's like how does this record have thirty two thousand plays like you know what i mean like nah i i don't i don't believe that but anyways but it was a lot of you know that spam links you get that message in the inbox and it's but the thing was there's no intimacy right no you're tagged with like 94 other people and it's just like this artist dropped this boom 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 check it out you know, chances are it's just like, okay, I don't even know who you are or or whatever. So, you know, most artists pass. And I got so much of that where it's just like, nah, I wasn't doing that, you know? And again, like my style was different or whatever. I wasn't really catering to any like mainstream sounds that, um, yeah, that, that was out there or anything like that. So I just, you know, put on my music, whatnot, post the links, here and there whatnot send it to a few people that i know you know fuck with my music and um i remember like giving full course like uh, a copy of the cd like when we shot a step your bar game up you know i was just like well if anything i would i value his opinion so i'm gonna you know give it Ooh. to him as an og artist oh, I like and what you just uh, said there yeah. hold the fuck up that was possibly my favorite knowledge nugget of the whole night actually I value his opinion as though everyone is entitled to an opinion is a thing that is a real thing. But maybe we don't need to ask everybody everybody's opinion about everything, which is another thing that happens. And so I've come to see as an artist when I was younger, I used to go, yo, tell me what you think of this song to like everybody. And it was a bad thing Mm -hmm. because, yo, you know what happens? You get like, yo, imagine you ask 500 people what they think of your song. And 250 people say that shit fire. And 250 people say that shit dope. What do you do next? Exactly. And it's crippling. So, like, to find people whose opinions you value for specific things, for reasons, and listen to those people, that's mentorship. That's bless. That's it. That's it. And it's like, you know, um, as I said, like, Preach was always watching me and whatnot. So, Preach would say yo i have this show opportunity boom 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 like here's this here's the information show up whatever the case is i was just like all right cool you know and what i appreciated about it is just like i don't have to speak to the man for like the whole year (laughs) in a sense right Mm. but it's just like 
he's he's always watching you know and if i if i drop certain records or whatever you know here and there he'll pop up as he gives you the phone calls or whatever you know and he'll he'll give his two cents on certain things right <laughs> yeah and i basically i used to be at preach's house like every day in like 2012 so you know, all these ideas and all these things that I was doing back then, you know, when I started the t-shirts and, and all of that, like I was always around preach, right? Preach introduced me to like the other side of the game, right? I got to go to the set of the movie or the music video that he shot for the movie, um, you know, back in like 08, you know, I got to see that side. Um, I got to meet Miriam sashi and and all of them right um so i got introduced to what like the whole publishing side of music is you know preacher tell me about publishing you know his publisher how he got music in 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 certain tv shows and whatnot right and it was just like yo listening to all of that from like 2012 was just like wow you know it's a lot of knowledge nuggets that I, I've soaked in over over the years, you know, so that, you know, if I if I did decide or if I do decide like now, you know, to like go hard on the music in a sense, I have all these knowledge nuggets, right, that I can piece together and be like, OK, well, you know, I kind of established my brand already. I was the Martian, you know, I kind of rebranded myself as Jamal Hussein, you know. Kind of make it even more intimate, even more personal. Um, you know, I'm doing my merch, I'm doing my shiatsu, I'm doing this and that. Like, how do I incorporate yeah, I love it. me into everything, right? You know what's my bless about that? It makes you an influencer. Yeah, you know, like it's not a name. At the end of the day, no. At the end of the day, it's just. If if we influence anybody in a positive way, right? That's always the goal. So if it's one person, I'm, I'm grateful for that, you know, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of youth that like, I know personally that's been looking up to me since they were like 16, since they were like 14. Now they're like 20, you know, 22 or whatever the age is. And, you know, I can always like check back on them or, you know, hit them up and be like, yo, like, you know, what are you doing? Kind of like what preach is doing or has done, you know, like with me, um, like you know, so there's guys that, you know, I want to build with, I know they got skills and, you know, kind of to keep them off of the streets, the way like steel pan helped keep me off of the streets. You know, I would, at the end of the day, kind of like have my own community center running, you know, just like, yo, what do you want to do as an artist? Like, are you into filming? Are you into, you know, graphic designing making merchandise like what is it you want to do Yo, all right dude, you love music like, you man. love yeah you love hip-hop you love this and like what what is it it doesn't have to be yo you love reggae you love you know i love reggae too i love roots like i'm a roots man you're a reggae artist yo come true like what can we do you know dude that's really huge what can we do i like the way you look at that i think it's so important to think like that I, like to me it's like not necessarily saying i'm good at it i only started thinking about this kind of stuff recently but when i hear you um the other thing the reason why you get to be an influencer in my opinion is the bigger reason is you're interesting like it was actually kind of fun writing your title it was like what do i there's a lot to say sometimes <laughs> it's like 
it's not always easy to write the titles for the, the interviews, but I'm like, yo, actually, I have choices here. So first, he's a <laughs> Montreal artist. Then he's a shiatsu specialist. And then I put clothing yeah. provider because I wanted to be a little mysterious with it because it's like you yeah. provide the clothes, you know? And, uh, yeah. and then more because there was more. And that's what's fucking crazy, right? Like there's, how there's much more, there bro. is to you as a person. Like, yo, it's 10, 20 something. We are going to wrap up soon because I'm getting hungry and shit. But yeah, like yeah. already, I'm like, we stopped your story on purpose a bit. I do that. I do that at a certain point when I'm like, nah, we can get a whole second episode, a hundred percent fill out and not a big old thing like that. So we're going to do that in the future at some point. We'll definitely set it up. So, um, I mean, given you want to come back. Okay. I'm being presumptuous. Of course, brother. Of <laughs> but, course, uh, but... <laughs> um, nah, I feel I'm... welcomed, you know, I feel welcome. And you know, the, the artists, the DJs, everyone you had on the show, man, like, you know, you made them feel comfortable, bro. Like, you know, it feels like home, like, yeah, it basically feels like home, bro. It's, you know, it's like I'm just talking to you and whatnot. A couple homies checked in on the line, like a three-way or whatnot, you know? Like, it's, it's vibes, man. I enjoy it. I like it, too. I'm not going to lie. I would say uh, this whole COVID situation didn't hurt my my career thinking with this uh, imagination. But um, whatever. I uh, do look forward to being able to do this in person again. That would be fresh. That would make it a lot more intimate. If there's a way to viably do that, that would be fucking great. But in the meantime, we zooms. It's a fun time. Everybody enjoys mm. it. Um, do you have any last like words you want to say to all the peoples out there? And they've all been linked to your Instas and stuff, the whole show. And the other peoples will see right, it in the right. links below. Yeah, just look out for the new music coming out. Um, you know, go get that red pill, blue pill if you haven't already. Go check out the other stuff that I, you know, recently dropped oh. on Spotify and whatnot. Um, yeah, look out for the new music coming out, though. Um, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a lot on that, you know, red pill, blue pill vibes, right? Like just breaking down the illusion in a sense, man. Like getting like the people it. back to their their natural state, man. So. You know, if you do need some grounding and some energy work, you know, you can hit me up for that. But uh, make sure y'all take care of yourselves, take care of your health, protect your energy. You know, first and foremost, protect your energy. And yeah, man, so yeah, we once do you do all of that, then you could check out what I got to offer, you know. <laughs> so you got one more question from Ishmael. Um, which young DJ should we check for? Young DJs. Um, hmm. Well, I know on Twitch, uh, who's part of the Vibe Tribe, we got a DJ Nicholas. He's like 15, right? Um, so if you check out Preacher's Stream, um, yeah, you might be in the chat here and there, but there's a DJ Nicholas who's, who's like 15, if you mean like that kind of young. Um, that's doing their thing. Um, honestly, like Twitch got a, a lot of them. I don't know them all offhand. I know I'm following quite a few. Um, City-wise, if you check out West Haven Teens, right? Twitch.tv, West Haven Teens. You can see um, these kids as they're developing their, their, their skills. Um, and, you know, if you follow them, uh, you can see where they end up in a few years. I think that would be pretty interesting. 
I think that would be um, fucking interesting. I'm excited. Yeah. That is yeah. cool. I'm actually typing it in right now so I can make sure to go follow it. Then I'll link it yeah. in the chat so y'all can go follow it. And I see that they need 15 more followers now in order to, you know, get a little something, something happening. That's it. Yeah. So, you know, hit that follow button on West Haven Teens. Man. Boom. Support the link youth. Link that shit. And yeah, support the youth. <clears throat> um, yeah. You know. Check out check out Twitch, bro. Like what I did when I when I came on Twitch, man, I didn't just, you know, join um the DJ streams that I'm familiar with, right? Like I probably started off with like DJ Blaster and, and, and some other ones that I know. Um but what I did, man, I, I just left my Twitch on, man, because you know, these guys are part of some raids, right? The raid trains. If you're familiar with DJ Bobby Payne right after this. That's it, you know. Shout out to my brother, you know, my big bro. But yeah, so you know, if you just stick around for these raids, man, you never know when you end where you'll end up. Big fact. and uh I'm someone who doesn't really shut off the computer. So, you know, I kinda let if the vibes are right, like I used to let the the, the music play all night as I sleep, man. Like listen to some R and B and stuff like that that I haven't heard in a while. Um like DJ Franzen, um, you know, I'd, I'd be in his streams a lot. So then when he signs off, it's like I wake up in somebody else's room yeah. the next morning kind of thing. And it's like, okay, some nice vibes here, you know. So you never know where you'll end up. And part of the hype train is you might get gifted a sub, right? It is the so best. It, it is the best, man. So I ended up with like 15 subs for, for different DJs. I had no idea who they were. And just because I got the sub, and then you go back. Right? So I go back. I see they're live, and it's like, okay, I'll check it out. It's like, okay, this is this is actually dope. I can vibe, you know. I love it a lot. So, I yeah, I appreciate you coming through, and yo, I really do. I thank y'all for coming on and watching this. If you're not on the Twitch, make sure to hit up the Twitch in the future. Make sure to follow everybody. Um, definitely uh, thank you for watching thank you all in the future who watch this make sure to follow subscribe like all that good stuff special thanks to the patrons Ismail Gadamsi Chris Potter Jonathan Brian CJ Black Hurricane Linda Williams and Scribble your dub support will be due if you're here and you do have that free Amazon Prime you can go ahead and hit that little subby poo in the future patreon.com slash behind that suit otherwise we appreciate y'all for real reals it's been it's been amazing thank you Jamal for all the knowledge nuggets and honestly your, your story is truly amazing I'm glad that we had this chance to learn it all we're gonna start the raid in a second but y'all live long and prosper everybody <laughs> now i'm hitting the raid button